Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hi, my name is Paul Caroli, and I host a podcast called Changing Denver. It's a monthly show about our city's physical spaces, how we make them, and how they make us. But it's so much more than that. It's the conversations, ideas, and stories that define Denver's perpetual state of flux. Find more from our team at changingdenver.com and join the conversation on Twitter at Changing Denver. Denver's changing. We can help. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there'll be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Ed Kramer, CGI artist from Industrial Light and Magic. I worked on the Scarabs from The Mummy, the Rock Monster from Galaxy Quest, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Pop Culture Con, and also celebrating our 400th episode live at the Bug Theater May 6th. And we already have like a quarter of the room saying they're coming. <laughs> they're interested, which means half will actually come. <laughs> yes. And half of them really know us. Yep. Like, like our moms and. <laughs> I think my mom would be embarrassed to see me up there. Yeah, I don't think she's going to make it. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> she, just, she just sends like a telegram. Dear son, could not make it. Oh, that'd be Other she did send me a, a, a telegram, and like a, and they'd have to pull it off like a machine and be like, we got a fresh off here. Oh, God, it would be great if it was a singing telegram. Is that how they do it in the newspaper industry? You still get teletype and you like rip it off and like, <laughs> this goes on the front page. Yeah, they What's built teletype. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So, I computer. guess to answer your question, no. Haven't you seen uh, His Girl Friday? No. Any the front page? <laughs> not not the whole and, thing. And, oh. We talked and, about this one time when I was on here. Yeah, but you should really see that movie because it's yeah. amazing. Watch some old newspaper movies. They're fun. I tried watching it, and I just couldn't. The like, that... remember when all the reporters were like, hey, keep it down down there, and then the <laughs> bad guys shoot up the machine guns at him? It's yep. awesome. And then they hide that guy in a desk. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Watch His Girl Friday, guys. It's yeah. pretty funny. I don't know if you know it stars a swapless motherfucker around named Cary Grant. Oh yeah, 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 that guy too. Rosalind Russell though, badass female reporter. I'll yeah. tell you, um, she didn't take no guff from nobody. Yeah. Also, Philadelphia Story is a good. Uh, oh, not Philadelphia Story. Sorry, um, Woman of the Year. Very mm-hmm. good. Very good uh, newspaper movie. Not really about newspapering, but uh, a lot of newspapering in it. Yeah. Hey, we talk about movies on this show. Um, every week we go see a new movie. <laughs> we uh, podcast our experience of the world. This week we saw Captain Marvel. Sam Jackson v Cat Dawn of Adorable. Uh, stay tuned, and we will uh, tell you should see the film or not. Play the trailer, and then spoil the film. And of course, because it's a Marvel movie, there is spoilers in this review. Um, spoilers, post-credit sequences, and tributes, cameos, <laughs> lousy 
making me cry before the movie starts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that broke the record for me for uh, Quickest Cry, which was previously upheld by Up nine or, nine or ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. You're all so weak. Yeah, I know. Well, here's the thing. is like they showed the preview for Spider-Man before mine, too. I'm like, oh, there's Mysterio with a globe on his head. <laughs> <laughs> you might yeah. want to stay out of this. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to do it anyway, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Right. Okay. <laughs> Kevin's talking about putting something on a building. Um, we'll also talk about uh, movie news, movies we've been watching, movies that are coming out um, that you might want to purchase. Um, what else is going new? Brad designed a sweet ass Mad Max Fury Road T-shirt. They'll never see the light of day. I know. Disappointing. <laughs> wow, just hear the room, dude. Just Sad face. Deflated the room. No, I mean, I, it's awesome, and I, I'm looking. I'm going like, we'll never have the money to make this. <laughs> you think they give us a discount because we've bought shirts from them so many times? Um, but we're one of many people that probably buy from them. Do we have enough fans <laughs> to warrant a Patreon? <laughs> uh, yeah, I ain't contributing. Got so we, we got five hundred likes. I think about a hundred of those people will give us a buck a month. It's a hundred bucks a month for T-shirts. Hey, we got. Um, actually, I want to website. give a shout out to Ryan Neal. He did send us a loot crate that I forgot to bring to show to you guys, so you can pick some loot from it. Loot from the loot. I don't think there isn't one. <laughs> oh, no, I swear it's there. Let me show you my really sweet new Predator glass that I got. Wait a second, it says loot crate on it. <laughs> All the cool stuff's already gone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so thanks Ryan for sending that to us, and thanks actually sent us a really nice email too about uh, thanking us. So yeah. um, thank you. Um, but back yeah. on the shirts, we do have a shirt we are printing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've already sent. We've we've picked the that we put a online. We asked the fans to vote on three designs. One of them looked like dicks. <laughs> I don't know if so you know I quickly revised we are. that. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that was the joke, guys. Yeah, um, the fox capacitor. <laughs> but yeah, it is representative of what we call the fox capacitor. It, it yeah. holds all the swears from this podcast. Um, but, uh, 21 fuckawatts. <laughs> but it, it won't be the exclusive shirt. Uh, we actually have a different exclusive in the works mm-hmm. um, as soon as I get a freaking quote back. <laughs> but we can't talk about it right now, guys. Yeah. We can't talk about it. But it'll, it'll be a one-size-fits-all type thing. First rule of exclusives, never talk about exclusives. So, well, we learned right. last year um, that we burned through our like men's sh- shirts, and then we still have... Hey, if you're looking for a sweet, real nerd shirt from last year, we have women's size. What sizes do we have in women's? Uh, probably one of everything at this point. One of everything. <laughs> yeah. One of everything. Which we can't sell because it was exclusive to last year's con. We can't bring it in and sell it? Is there a law? I, I, didn't, I haven't read the rules. Is there a rule behind it? Oh, I cannot wait for Denver Pop Culture Con Police. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think the Comic Con's going to enforce it, but all the people who asked me is like, you know, if I buy this, you know, are you going to sell these elsewhere? Oh, I get what you're saying. And I was like, I promised them I wouldn't. So, but I'm like, if we bring it to Denver Comic Con, it's still a Comic Con mm. sale. Or you could do a giveaway at the show. No, hey, hey, and this part out. Oh, we actually just found a box of female sized real nerd shirts from last year. <laughs> Very small run. Um, but yeah. <laughs> anyway. Actually, we, we sold our last male shirt. Like at the very end of the con, uh, Andre Gower from the Monster Squad bought our last. Oh, he got the last one. He got the last one. Oh, fucking a. Yep. Right on. Nice. And we have our booth. And we have our booth. Yeah. One hundred two. One hundred two. Right next to Alamo Draft House. Yep. Nice. So we're better. <laughs> 
will be there with our towering sign, mm-hmm. and Alamo will have their glasses and their pens and their and their, their reputation mints. for showing great movies and serving great food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, idiots. <laughs> Anyways, I love the Alamo Draft House. Um, I, I I was bombed. I didn't see Captain Marvel there. Mm. What are you doing? I, Where's your life gone wrong, man? <laughs> I have a wife and a kid. Oh, so, and then, so that's the that's the pinpoint. Uh, and then on my way to go see the movie, so I was going to see it at nine in the morning. I turn onto my, uh, I'm leaving. And I turn onto like the street, and my uh, car starts like the steering wheel won't go back. I'm like motherfucker. So I get out, and my back left tire is like completely flat. Uh, <laughs> and so there's, there, I guess there's some sort of nail in it. So I had to get that patched. So I had to run down there and see it before my wife had to go to work. And yep, and that's where we're at. Yeah. And then there's a shaking of a bag. Yep. That's happened at some point. Yep. Well, that sucks. Sucks about the tire, especially. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, that just sucks. I, I hated whenever, like, when I did drive, like, whenever a guy got a flat tire, it was a fucking nightmare. Yeah, you know, the the one thing is, so I know the, the tow guys in town, uh, obviously, <laughs> because they, I work with them. Because so, you arrest them frequently? No, no, not, <laughs> no, because, uh, so as a police officer, I use their service a lot because for, like, of, impounded for cars, impounded cars and stuff. Crashes. Crashes. They're like the cue to your James Bond. They yes. <laughs> so I called them because I like, I, it was flat and I go, man, I'll just put on this spare tire and I'll drive it to the tow yard and have them patch up this tire. I'm like, eh, I really don't want to put on this spare. <laughs> so I called them like, hey, can you guys come get my car? Like, oh yeah, we have like a portable, like, uh, air, thing so i came out and filled up my tire and i took it there because i really didn't want to change the tire because nice. it sucks nice. especially like in the middle of a road yeah because yeah. Yeah. i didn't want to drive it anymore because it's so fl- uh. anyways friend how's your week going fine <laughs> staying busy yeah we what are you working on right now uh everything you know i almost expected to see you on thursday night for our uh community meeting about the football field yeah one of my co-workers covered that because i was at the marvel fan event nice good for you there you mm-hmm. go way better oh yeah i had to be there because the chief was worried because people were being really like crazy on on the internet so i'm like oh man am i really gonna have to break up a fight in a town hall meeting <laughs> i heard it was relatively civil it was until um a certain person got up and was very impassioned about why we need to sell the football field and then some people are like, a local uh, landmark. I, I liked the suggestion that uh, Brad put on our thread, which was just monorail. <laughs> I know. That's all I could think of. I really, because they, so the school board told me that it's going to be like a professional like presentation. So I'm like, oh, that would be sweet if it was like, that's all I was thinking of is monorail. monorail. <laughs> and it's just some dude with PowerPoint that had three slides. It was you know, Idaho Springs with money is like a mule with a spinning wheel. <laughs> and I know people are passionate about it, but they'd get up and say, Idaho Springs is known for three things. Bojo's. A mine. Uh, something else. <laughs> and the football rush. field. I'm like, football field? It uh, is apparently a very, like, well-known field because it's right next to I-70. Yeah. What's, I what was know. the impassioned argument for selling it? Um... Well, they want to so, bring they, revenue to they the town. Bring, and they want to build housing. affordable housing, so they want to have mm-hmm. like um, well, not affordable housing, yeah, but like no one builds affordable, affordable housing. housing. <laughs> yeah, let me preface that with air quotes: affordable housing. <laughs> the development team is Bluth family. <laughs> yeah, so they have. There's an old. This is really boring. There's an old high school across the highway mm-hmm. that was 
full of asbestos, and the district uses 500 square feet of it for their offices. The rest of this huge building is not used at all. So they're trying to sell that, and developers said, well, if you sell that, we want the football field, too. Mm. And the bus barn. And the bus barn, where the buses park. So they want to basically just redevelop that whole area. It It just pictures in my head of a man in a with a big texas hat on and a big white suit going i'm shutting this football program down well, it, well here's they the, have a field at the high school a, there's a brand new field at the high school but they just don't use it it doesn't matter that bad guy's more fun to boo at <laughs> you know, I, I, you know I, I as an officer i can't have a political view at all yeah no um, obviously but i'm just saying there i said but it's used four times a year and these people are getting up and saying well i want the kids to be able to uh, the kids play on it i said i have that place is padlocked. No one can play on it. If they if they jump the fence, I'm getting called out there for trespassing. Um, well, my suggestion was be like, because we're you know there's less and less public space. Why not turn it into just a park? Well, I think they are wanting to incorporate to. like so green space of, into um, the design. You're right. So part of the comprehensive plan for the city is if they do that, they have to make a park there too. Mm-hmm. So there has to be. If you build something in the city, there also has to be um, room for green space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I get both sides. I, I, I mean, it's a the football field is falling apart. The, the, it's not. It's not even like regulation with sidelines on the side. So there, there's arguments for both. And I, and I, what I think is eventually someone's going to buy it anyways. Mm-hmm. So you might as well just make sure that you get something that will help the city look better. But what do I know? In Idaho Springs, a city torn apart. Because by... really, the, the only part that I care about that they don't mess with is Minor Street, which all the buildings are from like the 1800s on it. Mm-hmm. Don't change that. Yeah, exactly. Make everything else nice, especially like on the east side of town where they have like the slummy um, motels and hotels. Mm. Rip those out and put like a Holiday Inn Express out there. But then where will Norman Bates get all of his money to live? Well, I mean... The highway. He's got to take care of his mom. (laughs) Oh yeah, the the highway. Like nobody ever comes here anymore because the highway's like interfered with the entrance to Bates Motel. It's the same with Idaho Springs. (laughs) Yes. Can we start our own new uh, game called Cyber Football and like take (laughs) over and make it big like the NFL and then hell yeah, take over the field. Let's do it. It'll be the CYFL. Can't be a CFL because he's a Canadian. Football we should get league. Vince McMahon to run it. He's good at doing things like that, right? Oh no, he's busy with the XFL's coming. Back, <laughs> yeah, guys. XFL's coming back. Um, anyway, do we talk about uh, football fields that are about to be destroyed by uh, greedy developers? Well, or? we just have you know uh, Ace Reporter. Here, yeah, so. Ace Reporter Corinne. Ace Reporter. So, do you wear a, a like a hat that has like press on it? That'd be so cool. <laughs> you should. I do have a just press pass, but you should like stick it in your hat, like old school style. I know wow. you don't. I just want to, I just have that dream. And then you can, and then you and <laughs> well, then you can join our staff, Ryan. And then you I'm and, going to. And then you and three other Muppets could sing "Hey, a movie" from the Great Muppet Caper, and it'd be amazing. Do you need contributors to your newspaper? I mean, we're always looking for freelancers. Sweet. What if I just show up to a town hall with a hat with a press card in it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and don't talk to anybody. Hi, Brad from the Brad Gazette. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a reporter. I'm just here. <laughs> Hi, I'm not a reporter. I just really like this outfit. <laughs> uh, Kellen says uh, he's going to put his coat on his hanger and then put on his hat, and it's really funny. <laughs> One more, Brad. Question for the uh, senator here. Do I look good in this? 
Anyway. What organization are you from? I, I, why do people keep asking me that? I, like, I'm I, just wearing a hat with a press card in it. Look, it's, the, it's the style, man. Look, you dress the you dress the way you want to dress. I dress the way I want to dress. It's a free country. My first amendment right to wear this press hat. <laughs> it does seem like something some like obscure hipster thing would do. <laughs> freedom of expression and freedom of the press. We did get one of those suggestions. Freedom of fashion. From one of the, the Wait, citizens of Idaho Springs. Said, what if I take a couple of my friends... And we go around and see what it costs for us to uh, fix the park um, for free and volunteer. Like, nope. <laughs> I trust you, hippie dude. To see what it costs to fix it for free. Yeah. No, he's going to get a couple of his friends and they're going to fix it up. Nice. I'm just saying hey. it costs nothing if you're going to do it for free, dude. <laughs> yep. And you just sit there and, like, you know, I'm just in the back in my police uniform and I just blink like Homer when he doesn't understand stuff just really slowly. Because I don't know what's going on. He used to send back into the bush just like Homer Simpson. And it was really funny because he had like this victory thing. So he said his piece because, you know, they opened it up to the floor. Mm-hmm. So he said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get people to help me and we'll fix it for free. And he had like a mic drop moment. He like got up and left and didn't listen to anybody else. Like, <laughs> I, I respect- I'm here for the free pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was pizza? There was. That's nice. Yeah, from Bojo's. <laughs> now you should have gone, correct? Part of what Idaho Springs is known for. Oh, yeah. No, you should have gone to Captain That's Marvel. I, I, sh- I should have gone to th- no, this, this meeting, and I have no stake in this football field. I just want really? Bojo's for yeah. free. <laughs> I'm lucky if I get cookies out of the deal. Man. What? You so you need to be hooked up by the Carlton PTSA. What? <laughs> now, I want to start a trend where we give journalists free cookies. I think that'd be a good uh, idea. My waistline probably wouldn't agree with that. <laughs> Is that a Simpsons gag or a South Park gag where, like, they're having some kind of town hall and then there's, like, one guy left and, like, at least that guy stayed. It's like, no, I was just in the neighborhood and then I... I think it's South that, Park. That uh, sounds like a South Park gag. Uh, uh, yeah, no, they, I think that's Simpsons. He's like, no, I just, I just didn't I just, know I else. stopped to use the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why uh, I think it's Simpsons. Anyway. Good job. I don't remember. Hey, movie news! It's real news! I would um, say around town with Brad, but... Brad, or uh, Ryan, <laughs> sorry, do you want a new Nightbreed three-hour cut? Yes! Apparently that's in the works. Um, if anybody doesn't know, uh, Clyde Barker's Nightbreed uh, had a bunch of different cuts over the years, and now apparently they're working on a... Uh, longer three-hour cut because there's already a director's cut that's like about two hours ish or something like that i think it's two hours and ten minutes oh no i have the yeah and then the theatrical version is like 109 minutes and stuff like that so i I, i've only seen the theatrical version once uh i still have not gotten the scream copy mainly because it's a limited edition that's sold out everywhere um can you not get the regular because i didn't get the limited edition one because i thought it was you can still get the director's cut the limited edition has a theatrical cut on it too which is the reason i'd want it it's the same with with the whole um uh, it's it's the same thing with Life Force, where I'm like, no, I'm not gonna get Life Force if I can't have both versions because I like watching that compare and contrast. But and also, I'm just I'm just a picky nerd, so what are you gonna do? But anyway, that's apparently in the works. Um, we uh are gonna also be um this is a kind of a tied into Blu-ray news, but we're gonna be getting Ryan Johnson's Brick uh on Blu-ray for the first time in the U.S. this May. So what do you think of that, James? I hope James is not here to answer, but uh. I'm sure he's excited somewhere. Oh wait, you hear that? You hear that? Yeah, that's that's James screaming with excitement right there. He got so excited he stubbed his toe, and that's why he couldn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Uh, we've got uh, some sequel news. Like Sherlock Holmes has been delayed till 2021, but that means apparently that it's as of now still in the works. So I would like a Sherlock Holmes three, guys. Please give that. Don't worry. To if me. you go to Robert Downey Jr.'s IMDb page, his like upcoming projects is like eight. <laughs> I just want to see him keep his bees. <laughs> just, just let. Sherlock oh, I would be love happy. a version of Mr. Holmes, but with Robert Downey Jr. instead of. I'm calling it right now. Robert Downey Jr. is the greatest version of Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Basil Rathbone. Basil Rathbone. I'm waiting for someone to yell. Basil Rathbone. But anyway, um, Jason Blum's been talking a lot about sequels that won't happen. Uh, among them was Sinister Two, where he said it's probably not going to happen, but we want to incorpor- incorporate the villain uh, into something Sinister else. Sinister Two already exists. No, not Sinister. I'm sorry, Sinister Three. He says it won't be a Sinister th- Sinister Three. Now the box office on Sinister Two was lower than the first Sinister, so that's understandable. Um, it also looks like the same thing is going to be said about Happy Death Day 3, which he's saying that it's like it, it was still positive, but it, the box office isn't showing that there's going to be a third one, which sucks because I liked Happy Death Day to you. Um, and I would love to see that story continue because at this point, it's not really a horror series. It's more of a comedy series that has horrifying elements in it. Um, so, yeah, that sucks. Um Candyman reboot uh, that Jordan Peele's producing has cast uh, its uh, Candyman, and it is uh, the uh, I believe the guy who plays Manta from uh, Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I want to make sure I pronounce his name right. Yaha Abdul Mateen the second. So um, sure, he he was great in Aquaman. So I would love to see him play the Candyman. Mm, it's a great thing in Aquaman. I'd well, say good. You know what? <laughs> he was he was fine with the things he was given to do. It is not his fault that he didn't get that much to do in it, which sucks. They're, they're not mine. <laughs> they're his. Um, I mean, if if you don't swallow the pennies, you are welcome to play with the pennies. <laughs> if you do it on the floor. Uh, we got some Netflix news. Um, looks like Netflix is going to uh, break with its uh, stance and give Martin Scorsese's film The Irishman a wide theatrical release. Probably because they wanted to win Oscars uh, in the coming year. Steven Spielberg wins. Uh-huh, 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 which has been another part of the news, which is Steven Spielberg said something about a proposal to widen Netflix's theatrical release window, and it turned the internet upside down. Um, now the whole conversation has turned into, well, Netflix shouldn't have to put anything in a theater, or Netflix should be putting its shit in the theater. And I, I, I don't think what Spielberg's proposing is preposterous. Um, I think the conversations turned into a weird old people versus young people battle that I disagree with. <laughs> well, the, the problem is, is the Academy is a bunch of old fogies. It doesn't matter. So Right, but do you want to lose the theatrical experience at all? Because if Netflix succeeds, it will go away within the next 50 years. There was also another article that, says, that said... Uh, do you really so, think... That, oh, sorry, go ahead, Brad. Uh, that Spielberg was misquoted, and he didn't say any of that shit at all. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he's, there's no, he's not going to the Academy or anything to do anything. Oh really? About anything? There was a whole well, and theaters won't go away because I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, you can have Netflix and all that stuff, but uh, case in point, I mean, Captain Marvel is going to make 170 million dollars in one weekend. Mm-hmm. I think they're okay. But I'd like to still see some indie stuff there. I don't want it to just be like big box office bonanzas. So yeah. Um, so that's where the thing lies. And then lastly, uh, Captain Marvel uh, hit a controversy with Rotten Tomatoes because oh, really? the internet sucks. Uh, audience score for Captain Marvel was at 33% within, I don't know, 18 hours of the film being fucking released. Um, so there was a big troll attack on the thing. And, um, 
I uh, yeah. Uh, Ryan Johnson said it best on Twitter when he reposted that article and said, "So this low audience score is basically the new certified fresh," <laughs> which I think is a fun little catty comment that is very accurate. Well, we live in a society right now where people are extremely threatened by whatever um, the other the other side. So we're, we're extremely divided about stuff that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, Brie Larson said she asked if she could have a female reporter interviewer. And then you have uh, dudes who, like, freak out about it. Then freak out about it. And it doesn't matter because it still made $170 million this weekend. Yep. Because it, do- it has no bearing on how Wait, 170 Yeah. No, 107 You said 170 Yeah, 170 That's, like, more than the Avengers. That'd be worldwide and. No, no, no. It's, That's 200 No, it's in the United States. We can look that up right now. <laughs> uh, keep talking. I'll look it up. Um, My fancy movie league must be huge. Well, I think <laughs> it's projected. I think it's right now it's projected since the weekend's still going on. Yeah, yeah. projected right now $150 million plus because they don't know. Right. Because it made $61 million on Friday alone. Yeah. But so, yeah, anyway, um, we'll talk about more on Captain Marvel. But, uh, yeah, um, I don't really think I can trust audience scores anymore. I obviously. don't trust critic scores. Yeah, I, <laughs> no, I, I do because they actually break down their arguments eloquently and the user reviews mm. don't. Yeah, but which ones are getting, like, checks to, you know. Well, we get paid by Marvel every reviews. week, don't we, guys? We get a really nice check from Marvel, don't we? Um, no. See, well, I, small potatoes. I know it's gonna open. I also agree sometimes that the critics don't because if um, they they also play a role in this, where just because you don't get it doesn't mean it's not a good movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I can point to even um, Entertainment Weekly's review for Captain Marvel. Uh, the guy who's writing it, he's talking about how great it is, and he's like, and then it's, I mean, what's this origin story? So you don't understand it because. You're some snobby <laughs> critic. It doesn't take away from it being a good movie, and they have that. That's why I'm always shocked when stuff like uh, Fury Road does really well, because that's a genre picture where it's literally people driving from one side to another that has awesome imagery mm-hmm. and awesome like set pieces and has stuff to dissect. Yeah, and it's, you it's, can dissect Mad Max Fury Road within but, the context of this generation and other generations because it's a layered film. But you can sit there and uh, you could do the same thing with Captain Marvel. I'd, 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 I'd you can. Too, it, so. The most recent review of Captain Marvel I actually read was Captain Marvel review, and it, they didn't talk about the plot of the movie at all. It was just about the like the cultural significance of it, right? Yeah, now. and that's so. This is totally off topic, but because Rod Stewart's my favorite artist, mm-hmm. a lot of his reviews they don't review the music in it. They review him from 1978 when he was wearing like leopard print spandex they do tend to draw back to and the so past like, rather than and i can guarantee you anytime a new rod stewart album comes out it, oh, one headline guarantee will be like do you still think he's sexy and so they don't review the music they review the person <laughs> and if you go there's a i'm sorry that headline's dumb <laughs> and just to prove how dumb people are rolling stone when that came out said at no point has one artist single-handedly destroyed his career based on this one song. Um, and I, the only reason I think that is because it's the most popular disco song of all time. Right. However, now if you get Rolling Stone's top 500 songs of all time, guess what's in that right there is Do You Think I'm Sexy? Yeah. So it's it's subjective, and they're not reviewing the work, and that's my problem with sometimes what Brad just pointed out. It's, well, Brie Larson's making an empowered statement about women and superheroes. Why don't you just review the fucking movie? about what she's doing in the movie. Well, I'm, I'm, I appreciate that they're proud that she is making a stand and she is breaking ground, at least in, Mar- think, in the context of Marvel. And I don't think there's anything wrong with her asking for a female reporter no, to there do isn't. a piece on her. Not at all. No. She, sh- 
shoot, like ask a dog journalist, whatever, for all I care. Like, I mean, yeah. like it, it's she's oh, she's sad. standing up for herself and people are angry that she's standing up for herself, yeah. which I don't fucking get. Um, well, that's just because we just had an election where we've just proved that America is more racist mm-hmm. and sexist than we want to believe. Agreed. So, yeah. Moving um, on. <laughs> last th- last piece of news is uh, kind of interesting. Uh, the Simpsons pulled its Michael Jackson episode from circulation. Uh, this is birthday, Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Lisa, um, this is <laughs> this is all due to the um, mainly due to the uh, release of ne- uh, HBO's documentary "Leaving Neverland," which Man, is a two part. There's only some way I could watch that episode. <laughs> uh, oh, some way. Hey, I have the DVDs. Do you want to borrow them? Oh, no worry. Don't worry, Brad. I have them, too, so I can watch that whenever man, I want. Right. <laughs> it may, well, so, like, I mean, I'm not necessarily clamoring to go back to that episode now after, like, after all this stuff. Because, like, like, but the bottom line, though, is, is, like, this does kind of point to the importance of still DVDs. Because, like, just because you pulled it from streaming and network circulation, there was a disc made for it. They said in the article that any further reprint or uh, re reissue of the DVD will not have that episode. But Are I'm they like, ever gonna re- that, was, that, that was my question when I read that in the article. I'm like, they're not going to reissue it again on DVD. Well, here's, here's the no. thing. is If it's true, it's horrible. However, the dude's dead, so he can't defend himself anymore. And I don't know. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen the documentary, which I'm meaning to see, but mm-hmm. I also have to gear up to see something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an opinion on it. I, I appreciated James L. Brooks' statement on it, which is just like it, it, it seems like the right thing to do right at the current moment. That's fine. And, then, and, and you know, they've got five to 600 other episodes anyway, so it's not like this is the end of the world, guys. Man, I wonder if they're still going to show Roman Polanski films on fucking FXX or Fox or something but, owned by Fox. But, it is Brooke, but it's Brooks' ingrainings and uh, Brooks's ingrainings decision to I do understand that if they, that, if they so. What, what fights are you going to pick? Uh, you know what's as weird is they've been embattled in a bunch of different things lately. I get it. Yeah, for years they denied that was Michael Jackson on yeah. the episode. Too. Yeah, I think I remember even maybe, on the DVD. I think maybe last year is when they finally admitted it was him. Right. Yeah, we talked about it on the show, and then so if they just kept going with that, <laughs> yeah, they but, would have avoided this. But you know, I I mean, I I'm completely empathetic to both sides on this because it's just. It's they're, a, it's an episode of TV that ever, that a lot of people enjoyed. Yeah, and you know, I never want to see someone be a victim of something like that. No, not at it's all. It's horrible. Yeah, but at the same time, you, you can't you can't prove either one. I I mean, that's a whole other discussion of debate. Yeah. The point you is, know, on you the... can't prove that Roman Polanski did it because he admitted to it. Yeah, no, but the fact that, that he still has Criterion's come out, that he still is like considered one of the greatest things. It, there's a double standard there that's really it's not a, cool. It, you know what? It's okay because Criterion also puts a lot of money into those Cary Grant movies, so I, I, I'm willing to overlook that <laughs> right mm. now. Yeah, I mean, mm. at the end of the day, guess what? He he did make a lot of several Oscar-winning movies. That is unfortunately part of the lexicon, no matter. So what. okay, I'll stop you there. So Michael Jackson made a, a Simpsons episode and made uh, maybe considered some of the greatest albums of all time. So we're just gonna get rid of those two. But I'm respecting Gene. Uh, uh, James L. Brooks' and Matt Groening's decision to pull it. Criterion hasn't said we're going to pull it. because well, they, no, they won't. Because they say something different. I said, unfortunately, his films are a part of cinematic culture, and unfortunately mm. there's people who will defend that over the situation in which Polanski is guilty. Jackson. What? People are defending Michael Jackson. That's Again, I'm not here to discuss. <laughs> like They both probably did terrible things, especially Polanski, because we know he did terrible things because he admitted to it. Weezer just covered Billie Jean. <laughs> I know that just came out. I know it just came out. I guess so. we can listen to Weezer's Billy Jean. They might they might pull it. 
<laughs> well, and that one, yeah. Can you get that on um, a physical copy yet? Yeah, it's supposed to be in my mail right mm. now, actually. So, but anyway, um, controversy, controversy, controversy everywhere. But that's news. Brie Larson's great. She is great. <laughs> She's wonderful. We'll talk about her in a movie that came out this week. Movies come out on Blu-ray in a segment called Physical Media. We need it to watch episodes of The Simpsons that they're going to pull from streaming. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Um, 4K uh, release of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them coming out to you this uh, week. Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh, sorry. Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald, whatever. I wasn't a fan of this new one. Uh, but you can pick it up on 4K Blu-ray. Well, I think they have like a director's cut on there. I'm interested. I can't see I th- that. I really like it, it's not Eddie labeling. Redmayne a lot. And I... He's It's fine. hard for me to eat that movie. He's fine. He's, it's not... He's, he's not He's, it's the weakest he, Harry Potter he, movie, but it's hard for me to hate the yeah, movie. Yeah, he's not the problem, and Johnny Depp's not even the problem. No, it's Johnny that, Depp's it, not the problem at all. It's the story. It's it's what it is. Yeah. Um, but I'm not seeing a director's cut thing here, but I guess this one that I'm looking at, which is just the um, the triangle, uh, the uh, Elder Wand tattoo, uh, is the steel book. Um, but I don't know. It's not labeling it a bunch. Oh, here you go. Extended cut. Yeah. There we go. Uh, also, uh, Oscar winner Green Book. You can get it on 4K and Blu-ray. Yeah. That sounds like one I'll probably get on Redbox. Yeah. Watch it. Because I, I, I've heard good and bad things about it. I, so I, It's such a weird discussion to have. Yeah. I saw it in the theater, and I was very clear, like, it's not that it's not enjoyable. It's just it's telling the same stuff, fucking story all over again. So um, I think it's weird that it's 30 years after Driving Miss Daisy. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. exactly like a case it, for history repeating itself. Yeah, for exactly. Real. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it, that's part of the frustration. But also you can pick up Mortal Engines in 4K. Did anybody see Mortal Engines in theaters? What? Well, you should get it on 4K so that you can make up for that egregious error. Is that the one that was the Peter Jackson movie? No, it was Christian Rivers, well, his production Peter Jackson designer, like, produced it. Produced but it was it, like yeah. the one where the cities are like... Howl's Moving Castle, but live action. <laughs> I'm, except probably worse. And with Hugo Weaving. Yeah, who's Hugo too Weaving good to be in, in Avengers Infinity War. It, re- it required a sacrifice <laughs> to be in Mortal Engines. <laughs> Um, uh, from Criterion, um, you can get the Harold Lloyd film, The Kid Brother, um, which looks like some, lots of fun. I like Harold Lloyd. Yeah, I do. He's a, he's, he's among the top silent comedians of the era. Um, also Shout Select's putting out Someone to Watch Over Me, which I've never heard of. Um, it's got Mimi Rogers and, uh, Tom Berenger in it. So, yeah, I like Tom Berenger and things. That has to be like a early nineties, late eighties. It movie. looks like it. Did you <laughs> see the cover? It looks like it's like a stream of yeah. light separating people, like because something mysterious is happening. Um, you can also get uh, on Blu-ray. I think this is from like Kino or something like that. Man's best friend with That's Ali Scream. Sheedy. That's Scream Factor. Scream's putting it out. <laughs> Oh, fucking A. Have you I've, ever seen that movie? I, I know, but I've heard a podcast about it, and it sounds ridiculous. Apparently, like, shoots acid or something out of his mouth. Yep. Oh, shoot. I want to see this movie. I'm glad Scream's putting it out. <laughs> um, and then uh, Warner Archives is putting out Man from Atlantis, which um, looks uh, – the cover is a man uh, holding a uh, uh, the pole that's attached to a pier, uh, and he's looking off in the distance. So clearly he's got secrets to hide that involve the ocean. Uh, let's see. Uh, 
Not much else, really, at least that I'm seeing here. Does the craft uh, come out? The craft, yeah, the craft's coming out. That's um, a Scream Factory Collector's Edition. This is a Scream Factory Collector. It's a very uh, popular movie amongst uh, people. I have never seen it. No? No, I've heard it's, I've heard it's interesting. So I know I well I've, I know you've told me you don't like it but uh, but your it's friend right. Brandon likes it a lot. That's all right. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, that's Blu-rays. Cool. We also watch movies throughout the week in a segment I call "Movies Are Projected Onto a 4K TV," and we watch them. So uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Terrible. <laughs> we got to figure out a new plan here. <laughs> Corinne, what'd you watch this week? Oh my gosh. Your kid wants me to throw money at him. <laughs> no. Play with your monster trucks, please. I'll do it afterward. Um, okay, so I don't even remember. So the last time I was on a regular episode was like in August for Winnie the Pooh or Christopher Robin or whatever. So I've got like seven months worth of material to cover. So strap in, brothers. Standing <laughs> stretch. No, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm going to talk about some stuff I've been watching over the last couple of months, though. Um, I watched Baby Driver for the first time. Nice. I own it. I have it on Blu-ray for some reason. There you go. Okay. Um, I got it on Blu-ray last Black Friday because it was like, I don't know, 4 or $5 at Best Buy. And I was like, sure, why not? I heard good things. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I liked, I thought it started off really well. And I liked the opening bank robbery. And I liked the shootout with set to tequila. But then I think, like, the third act, I just kind of was uninterested, and it just kind of kept going, and I didn't like the way that the romance between Baby and um, Lily James's character was written. It came off as really weird and forced, although they were very cute, so I don't know. I, I think the longer it went, the less I liked it. Hmm. I always thought it was weird that John Hamm was the villain by the end. Like, it almost looked, it seemed like a forced... Hey, gotcha. Yeah, that they, yeah and that Kevin Spacey ended up that, kind you? of being a good guy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because he I took to a young man. It's been a while since I saw it, but I do remember thinking like, eh. Wow. Can <laughs> like, we replace you with Christopher Plummer? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember thinking like, mm, I could have like fixed this really easily with like just a couple of quick like script rewrites or something. But Ooh, We should call Edgar Wright and have Corinne talk to him. <laughs> 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 um, now, Corinne, I hear what you're saying, but what if I put in a zombie? <laughs> I, Can I, I put in a cop on the edge? <laughs> See, and I've only seen like three Edgar... This was like the third Edgar Wright film I've seen, because I've seen Hot Fuzz, and I was kind of like, eh, about that, and I liked Shaun Corinne, of the you Dead. you just keep on breaking my heart. Mm. Sorry. I don't know. It, again, it was a while since I saw it, but I liked Shaun of the Dead, and then this was kind of like, yeah, sure, it was fine. I don't know if I'll... Like I said, I own it, so I don't know if I'll hang on to it. What do you What do you do with it? I don't know. Just give it away. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> give it to the Goodwill or something. I'm not gonna go out back and like burn it or anything. Donate it to my thrift shop. I'll save it. <laughs> okay. Or I just give it to you, one of you guys if you want it. I don't care. I have two copies of Baby know. Driver in my I, house. I, I think yeah. I I'm an eccentric two. collector. <laughs> Maybe I would watch it again before I gave it away, or just to decide. But it's my least eh. favorite Edgar Wright movie. Really? Yeah. Mm. I mean, the other two, you 
you have to get through are Scott Pilgrim and The World's End, which I think are great movies. Scott Pilgrim's oh. amazing. World's yeah. End is the best film he's made. Mm. Hmm. No. Yep. It's a great story. Nope. Your mom's a great story. <laughs> Anyway, so I also watched Alfonso Cuaron's Children of Men. <laughs> oh, sweet. That was the same night that I watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and I watched them back-to-back because they were both falling off of Netflix this next day. Dang. So I watched Children of Men first because I knew it was going to be like really sad and depressing and dark and stuff, mm-hmm. which that was probably a good call. But then I watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind right after it, and... For anybody who didn't check out that Catching the Classics iteration, I did not like that movie. So I think one of the reasons I didn't is because coming off the heels of Children of Men, like Children of Men is a really well-made film, and it's an hour and 45 minutes, but it fucking moves. Mm -hmm. And then you sit down and you watch Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is two hours and 15 minutes. So it's 30 minutes longer, and it's slow as shit. <laughs> but anyway, Children of Men is a really well-made film. It is a good movie. It is a good movie. As is the I, other one you watched. No, <laughs> no it's not. Close Encounters. It's a great. Movie. We used to be yeah. like so great friends, <laughs> and now Baby Where Driver and Close Encounters. To Man. be honest, though, like of, of a two-hour movie, all I remember is the uh, the train stop, um, the building, the mashed potatoes, and then Devil's Tower from that movie. Like it kind of meanders. There's a lot of like, oh, then he just like has a 10 minute scene with his family where well, he's like yelling at them or something. Most times know. when Spielberg writes his own script, that, that does happen. <laughs> I won't lie. I just keep remembering like the part at the very end where like the spaceships are coming in and you're like, oh, like, cool. We're going to finally get to see the aliens. And then the spaceships all zoom back out. And then like the big ship comes in. And you're like, oh, we're going to see the aliens now. And then they like release all the people and it's. When do we get to see some fucking aliens here? Now she's going to tell me she doesn't like freaking <laughs> Emily Blunt or Cary Grant. <laughs> what? Sam Raimi's well, a now hack. That you ma- Sam Raimi's a hack. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you mention it, I did not like The Quick and the Dead, Ryan. So let me tell you about well, The Quick and, and you, the Dead. Hey, you got Sicario back, and as you guys yes, heard, I Sicario did really like Sicario. Sicario is amazing. But anyway, as for Children of Men, it's a really great movie. You should go watch it. It's the movie that Logan ripped off, so... <laughs> <laughs> Logan ripped off Shane. Their name and apologize. Uh, no, Logan, you, Logan, the Logan, Logan draws from many inspirations. Yeah, <laughs> Children of Men being one of them, I'm sure, because it's pretty much the exact same plot. Technically, with it is humans <laughs> instead of mutants. Mm-hmm. Maybe Children of Men ripped off. Does Shane. Clive Owen fight himself in Children of Men? That'd be amazing if I saw no, Clive Owen clone. No, but he does fight like, <laughs> neo-Nazis or whatever. Mm. But you know what Logan needed was Michael Caine teaming up with Patrick Stewart. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Over there is your clone. <laughs> oh, my. So, yeah, Children of Men, really sad and depressing, but really, really good. Yeah, beautifully shot. Good the last job, 30 man. minutes of that film are <clears throat> like a beautiful, like, wonder that kind of goes mm-hmm. on throughout that entire, like, disrupted yeah, it city. It's wonderful. Yeah, that's crazy. Speaking of Alfonso Cuaron, I also rewatched a movie I saw a lot growing up that was apparently Alfonso Cuaron's, like, first feature-length English-language film, A Little Princess. Mm-hmm. Which is way better than it deserves to be, because um, I also rewatched another '90s era <laughs> children's movie, and it doesn't age well. But I'll talk about that in a second. But A Little Princess is really good. I remember that movie being depressing, and it is, but not as depressing as I remember it. It's it's uh, I don't it's really sad. I've only seen it once, and I saw it like 
in high school because I saw that Alfonso Crone did it and I wanted to go through everything he had done. I barely remember it. But <laughs> I've never seen it yeah. and or heard of it. Mm. Okay, yeah. so... It doesn't seem like it's in my wheelhouse. I've seen the VHS cover all over the place. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's probably not in your wheelhouse, but again, it's like really well made, especially for that era, and I think a lot of that is because of Alfonso Cuaron and like his team, and they really know what they're doing. Um, but the story is that there's a little... It's set in World War One, and there's this little girl and her dad, and they're British citizens, but they live in India, but then the war starts, and so he goes off to war, but he leaves her at a boarding school in New York. And so he, like, stuff goes on with Sarah, the main character at the boarding school, but then at the same time, her dad's fighting in the war, and he gets killed in action. And so she's orphaned because her mom's dead, and her dad's dead now, and she doesn't have any other relatives, and her dad's properties get seized by the British government. So she gets orphaned at this school that she was staying at and so she ends up becoming a servant at the school and the lady who runs it is like a total bitch very 90s villain like over the top like think little orphan annie and like the evil trunchable yeah (laughs) like hilda (laughs) yes very much in that vein but i mean it's yeah it's really sad and there's like a lot of dramatic irony because uh, it's miss mention yeah miss mention i do remember that cover and seeing the cover i would never rent this movie <laughs> miss mention the bitchin oh, yes she is such a bitch wow <laughs> is that line in the movie <laughs> that'd be you know what that's in the director's cut <laughs> yeah, the X-rated director's cut of a little princess. Alfonso, you got to cut this. <laughs> but no, do not destroy my line. art. <laughs> this is about art. This is about passion. I do. Why do like I sound like Guillermo del Toro? <laughs> she is a little bit complex. Like there are a couple of little moments where you see like this bitchy facade that she has kind of starts to crack a little bit, and she does kind of have like for a tiny second she has like a little bit of a heart, but. Yeah, she's still a giant bitch, and I hate her. So I think people should go watch it, because I think it's a really well-made film, especially for that era. I remember it looking like beautifully shot and whatnot, but I just don't remember the story until yeah, now. Yeah, the poster's garbage. <laughs> You're garbage. You go make a better one. A I, I can't. I actually I watched it on Netflix, but I own it on DVD, so mm. oh. if anybody ever wants to rent or borrow it, just let me know. Well, I mean, I'll watch it. Right. And and have and it'll be your new favorite movie ever. <laughs> it, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it made you cry, Ryan. I don't cry at movies, Ryan. You will. Bullshit. You just Ryan. admitted you cried at Captain Marvel. Yeah, because that was Stan Lee. Ryan, you're gonna take your Shout Factory copy of Army of Darkness, three disc edition, throw it in the garbage after you see a little princess. Never. <laughs> you know, I always wonder if something will ever replace Army of Darkness as my favorite film of all time. Okay, and that answer would be no. Brad, you've got to make the Spider-Man. ultimate movie that Ryan has no choice. <laughs> but to do that. So, uh, speaking no. of 90s era children's films, I also rewatched another movie I watched growing up as a kid. Um, it Takes Two. It's Kirstie Alley and Steve Gutenberg. And man, that film does not age well. <laughs> Either did Kirstie Alley and Steven Gutenberg. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's, just a, it's just a film dedicated to things I don't remember. Also, oh, yeah. Also, the Olsen twins are in that. And oh, yes. They haven't aged really? well either. No, yeah, they they, even, they're like the main characters. Olsen twins don't do anything; they retire. They're, they're like right? in fashion. or yeah, something. Yeah, I think so. They just pose for Instagram pictures. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't get paid for it. <laughs> that is true. So, yeah, it 
it feels very much like a 90s movie. It just falls into all the like tropes so, from that era and I don't know, it's just weird. Are they even like good actresses cuz I can only re- I only remember them from they're, You got it, dude. That's the only thing I can remember. Compared to the other kids in the film, they're not as bad, but they're just, like I don't know. It's kind of like Elizabeth <laughs> Olsen. It's hard to judge awesome. child actors. Cuz I mean there are some times where the line delivery is a little bit flat. Mm. Because they're like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I understand "Eh," that. I just, I don't understand why they're so popular. What were they were? Because they were twins, Ryan. Yeah, I don't know. Something about the 90s, like, they were like, oh, like, two for the price of one? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. People just love babies for no reason. Hmm. Because, see, they were adorable on a show, and then we found out that they looked like clones, and we were like, wow, adorable comedy clones. Parent, or you can do, like, Prince and the Popper type stuff with them, which is kind of what this movie is based on. Billboard Dad. <laughs> also, if you're born on television, people just assume that you're going to grow up to be great actors and actresses. So. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Science. So, I mean, they weren't. <laughs> Gary Coleman. They're not, like, the best child <laughs> actors, but, yeah, they're not. Like, I, the kids in A Little Princess are better than the kids in I think this I'm a movie. little too old to be on the Olsen train. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I was never really a big You're full house. You like, I don't know, 40 10. by then. 40? No, uh, <laughs> like, uh, no, I was never I into full house. the movie came house. out in 95. How old were you in 95? 14. Okay, yeah, see, yeah, you were way too old. <laughs> but, but even then, so I was never like, a full house person. when uh, I, was I wasn't either, but I'm had, Nick at night, I dude. watched all those like Olsen twin movies, like really? twin detectives or whatever the shit mm. they were. I don't know. They did a lot of stuff. Twin anyway. sea creature trainers? <laughs> Maybe. Um, so, yeah, I don't know <laughs> if I would recommend babies. it. I guess if you want to watch something that's like pure 90s, go watch it because it's... Ugh. Mary Kate apparently went through several rewrites and they had trouble like locking down a cast for it and it's like hmm wonder why because <laughs> <laughs> it's a shit movie Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito in Twins 2 I'd be down just saying what if the twins met another pair of twins that are more than likely actually twins <laughs> and then Eddie Murphy's their third triplet brother <laughs> Okay, uh, real quick, <laughs> real quick, I'll touch on some TV shows I've been watching. I uh, watched Superstore, NBC's comedy. Um, I actually weirdly watched it in reverse order, so starting with the most recent episodes and working my way back through the seasons. I did with that start with The Office. Yeah, and then working my way all the way back to the pilot. And that show has progressed a lot. And it's kind of interesting. The, I like I like where it's it is now regressed. a lot better than. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The end is the beginning. Damn it, Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seeing where it started out at, I'm like, I'm glad it's evolved to where it is now because what they started out with was pretty yikes. But yeah, they found their stride. With I, I mean, Parks and Rec has that. Community and, has that. And same with The Office. I think... Or 30 Rock, even. Yeah, I think they... You the can, first season is kind of yeah. rough. I think you can... Just like all those shows, you can point to things, oh, this is good. Mm-hmm. And you can get through it, and then you see it slowly evolve to what it is. The and, Simpsons had that issue, too. Like, yeah. season three is where they really start oh, get, yeah. getting their getting their stride, and then four is where it's like... Oh, four is an perfect. amazing season. Oh, yeah. Well, I think with, like, anything, you're just... You know, you get a collection of people who don't normally work together... And they just kind of have to spend a lot of time finding their footing. You're trying to learn. Like, writers, like, you do that that pilot, you, you, you don't invest too much into it because most of the time they don't get picked up. 
So if it does, then you're scrambling to figure out like, well, how do we extrapolate this and make it work on, you know, season after season. So I always point to community on that because community took a while for me to get into. But once I got into it, I got into it. Yeah. So but I feel like you can kind of tell like they use the office, the office as a template. I don't know if they were intending to do that, but it feels that way because you can kind of tell like who the Michael Scott character is, who the Amy or who the uh, Dwight character is and who the pam and jim characters are so and who toby the toby equivalent <laughs> is so anyway you yeah you are? superstore it's like one of those shows that you can just kind of put on and just kind of you know when in the background when you're watching or when you're making lunch or whatever i hate all the things that you choose to be <laughs> <laughs> um i also watched season three of the good place when it came on a couple of months ago i know i gotta start watching it i have I, my hulu is really backed up on it i won't spoil it for you but i will say that i like season three but i like season two better i think season two is a little bit more focused whereas season three i think they're trying to do they're trying to do a lot in mm. season three, and it's almost like there's three separate arcs that happen within the one season. And I kind of wish that they would have, I don't know. That's one show, though, I think it out a little bit. the ground running. I think the first episode's really strong in that and The Good Place. Yeah. And I love Kristen Bell, so I kind of yeah. have like a... It's a really well-written show, and I appreciate the fact that they just like go breakneck speed through a lot of stuff, but this is one of the instances where I wish they'd kind of slowed down. Mm and given things time to breathe because i think a lot of times now that they're just trying to force it because they're like you've already seen this like we don't need to show it to you again and i'm like mm. actually we haven't seen this really i wanted to see it again so i want to start watching that show because i like ted dancing a lot he's good. i mean really i like Kristen, good. i like Kristen really Bell, but like you know he's really good in this it. entire cast is fantastic oh, yeah. Yeah. i just like i don't know why but i've been like really like looking back on it the past week i'm going like i like ted dancing like cheers so fucking hot. like i haven't rewatched three men yeah, in the baby so hot. <laughs> he, 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 dude like that that's an amazing for like a 70 year old dude is he 70 yeah. yeah he's in his 70s i don't know if he he might be like 72 or something but yeah, looking uh, good. in his spare time still running that bar mm -hmm. you know? yeah. sam alone yeah mm -hmm. So, yeah, everybody go watch season three of The Good Place. It's really, really good. But watch season two and one, one and two first. They're all on Hulu, so you can check them out if you have Hulu. Yeah. Oh. And I think season one and two are on Netflix. Oh, that's right, too. It's on Netflix as well. Um, Last, I will talk about our favorite topic whenever I'm on, The Blacklist. <laughs> that show is still on. That show is still on. Will they fuck? Will they fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Season six has been ridiculous. It started in January, and they're, I think, like, ten episodes in now. I, I'm so annoyed at this show. I really, like, part of me. watching it. I, I can, but I'm like, I'm in too deep, man. I gotta, if anything, I'm hate-watching it now. I'm so like, close to the end of the list. Well, that's always fun to hate-watch things. <laughs> it's like, I'm here for James Spader and the hope that one day Red and Liz will get together. Will they fuck? Will they fuck? <laughs> they are. It's happening. It's going to happen. If they get a seven season, that is. Because James Spader signed on for season seven, but after that, I don't think they're going to get a season eight. So we'll have to see if the they get season finite, seven. So once they get through all the numbers. Well, we don't know how long the list is. It's like two, I think it said like 200 in the first episode. Mm -mm. No, nope. there's no limit to the number of people on the list. Hmm. Actually, I actually researched this one time. There's like 
um, I think like at least 300 spots on the list. And they, up to like the end of season five, I think they had covered about half of them. But not everybody who was on the list had been caught or killed. So... I'm sure it's like 24 where it's like it's 24 hours because they can sell the network on 24 episodes a season. So I'm thinking the blacklist was pitched on like a finite because I think 300 episodes you're on the air for what seven years, uh, eight years, like maybe 10 actually. 10 years. I don't yeah. think they've even tackled everybody in the top 10 on the blacklist. Oh, uh, well, Kaplan was like five or something, and then uh, his assistant know. was one of them. They're waiting for Dead the day. end of the series to do that so that David Letterman can do a cameo and do his top 10. Yeah. <laughs> I'll but, make that reference. Fight me. Go back to your writer's room. Uh, I'm. I know a lot of people are have continuously been annoyed with Liz, and I was annoyed with her too. But I didn't hate her as much as like seemingly everybody else who watches the show hates her. But last night's episode was really, really bad in terms of making the audience hate Liz because she's the one. So spoilers for you, Brad. But it's not really because it's in the trailers for season six. So Red gets arrested in season six, the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think that's and where he I'm gets. At. Yeah, he gets sent to prison and he gets put on trial for like treason and murder and whatever. And we find out that Liz is the one who turned him in. She's the reason he got arrested. She, she betrayed like, him because she was pissed off that he stole her father's sister. identity and lied to her about it. And, like, then, immediately after she turns him in, she has, like, all this regret. She's like, oh, no, I shouldn't have done what I did. Oh, woe is me. And then now, like, in the episode last night, he's facing the death penalty. And she's like, oh, please let me go on the stand. I'll be your character witness. Oh, like, I don't want you to die. And then, so, <laughs> he gets the death penalty, but then he has this plan to escape from prison. And the only reason he the plan fails is because she came to visit him in prison, which tipped off the guards that he had escaped sooner. So he didn't get to escape. And it's like, Oh my gosh. The only reasons he's in prison is because of you. Then you regret putting him in prison and then you foil his plans to get out. So I just can't stand her character anymore. I, this show, I hate, <laughs> I hate the writers on this show and the way they write her character to be so, I love Red. I hate Red. I forgive Red all the time. For for a show that starts out feeling like they have this grand plan, and you watch six seasons of it, you feel like they're very much making up episode to episode. Oh, yeah. Because whatever, what, yeah, whatever's the most interesting thing to do at the moment, that's what they'll do. So it's frustrating. So don't watch The Blacklist. It sucks. I haven't. Or hate watch it. <laughs> or watch it, with, but like do a drinking game. Or watch my new uh, post-Blacklist show every night called Will They Fuck. Dude, retire the totally joke. It's not working. It. It's not working. Your joke has failed. Okay. <laughs> or right. did, they, did they already do it? Yeah, what if we don't know that they've like, had, have it capitulated It might be like an X-Files situation. What if her baby is actually <laughs> Red's. Red's baby? Uh-huh, mm. yeah. Well, we're going to have to talk about this later because the, the, the timeline reveal. does not add and up Tom for it to was be her Tom's brother. baby. Ooh. No, Tom's not her brother. <laughs> This is all turning into Arrested Development. And Mr. Kaplan was her mom. No, Mr. <laughs> Kaplan was her nanny. It's really stupid. Anyway, so... Every time you try to explain it, I have no idea what's going on. And I swear I've had <laughs> okay. every season explained to me, and I don't... Don't, don't watch uh, it, even, Ryan. And even when you liked it, I'm like, I'm not going to watch this show. 
Yeah, don't watch it. Every, every time I hear it, I just like start filling my head with old-timey cartoons, like playing a <laughs> pinky piano in my head. <laughs> oh, it is like a soap opera turned into a procedural crime mm. show. It's so turns. stupid. Now they're like throwing around like the whole possibility of like mind or memory erase and stolen identities, and it's really stupid. Yeah, I I've, I watched Designated Survivor, and like the people in it are really good. They're great actors, but I want Kiefer Sutherland to be like cooler in it, so it's really hard for me to get on board with it. And it's it's one of those um, network um, crime shows, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. where they're trying to figure out this really big crime, but it always has weird twists to it and side tangents. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I just want to see Kiefer Sutherland string someone up and torture him again. Yeah. That's all I want. You're not going to get that again. I know, I know, I'm not. It sucks, but yeah, that's like ninety percent of the reason why people watch the show is for James Spader. Hmm. So. He is really good on it, though. Like, he, is. he elevates that material big time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, so that's all I've been watching in the last. Well, not all I've been watching, but that's what all I've been going to talk about. Brad? Oh. Um... Oh, you didn't expect it. Boom. <laughs> Uh yeah, it's been a while, but I'll start with the. Uh... Since I last <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Whatever happened to those guys? Yeah, dead. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> I watched the, uh, the Oscar shorts in the theater, both the live action mm. and the animated. Nice. Um, the animated was good. Uh, obviously the Pixar one won, but I actually thought the, uh, the final one of the set, which was, um, an American and Chinese collaboration. Uh, it's about this, uh, girl and her father and the girl wants to be an astronaut someday. Um, and he's a cobbler and so he makes shoes for her throughout her life and uh, you see her you know study for class and go on to college and all that and eventually he um, you know she gets rejected from the space program um, and kind of shuts down and stops you know that relationship kind of falls apart and then uh, she settles for a job she doesn't quite care for Um, and then like just as uh, she's about to maybe reinvigorate that passion for the space program. He dies. Um, and so she goes on and does it without him. Um, and the animation's amazing. Uh, I totally forgot to look up the title of it, but, uh, that was the one I was actually like affected mm. by. Um, and then like across the board, like all the animation was interesting and very different, um, pieces. Um, but the live action stuff, made you want to kill yourself yeah, that's what i've heard it's, <laughs> it, it was it, so it's, depressing it's either it's either about like jo- toxic masculinity or just children turning evil <laughs> yeah the like or I, children turning evil because of toxic toxic masculinity <laughs> I, w- I wish i had watched this closer to being able to talk about it because i can't remember most of them but the two that stood out were the one where the two kids killed the like two six or seven year olds killed the toddler Mm-hmm. Um, Fuck. horribly. It's like a. It was a like crime in Scotland, I think. It's it, a re- yeah, it's a real thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, I do. Is that the one where they like walk with his? Like they take him to like a train yard yeah, or something. They abducted mm-hmm. him from the mall. Story, yeah. yeah, took him to the train tracks. Like yeah, shove batteries up his butt. Um, yeah, just beat the shit out of him. Um, it's terrible. Um, but yeah, the the acting from the kids because initially the kids the kids deny it and the police are you know. Pretty much know they did it. They're just trying to get the confession out of them. So the child actors are pretty good because um, you know, they're pretty convincing that they didn't do it. And then 
one of them starts to fall apart and uh, they get through to him while the other one's just like sociopath, like stone cold about it. Mm. Um, and then the other one, the one that did win the Oscar, which uh, skin, the uh, skin uh, was pretty good. Um, and that's where there's like this uh, group of white supremacists and uh, the main one you're following has a son um, and you see them like hanging out and just kind of doing kind of, you know, uh, you know, hanging out, shooting guns and stuff. And then uh, they go shopping at a grocery store and uh, there's a African-American checking out in the checkout line and the kid's just like, oh, cool. He has like this uh, uh, action figure he's buying his kid. And so he's like waving. But then his dad gets all like, he's, you know, kind of instigates a thing, mm-hmm. kind of like eggs him on to like fight him. And they assault him in the parking lot with all of his other white supremacist buddies. But then a couple days later, um, this van pulls up like next to him and like uh, kidnaps him. And they hold him in their garage. Like uh, the guy who got beat up, all of his fun- friends, they kidnap the guy who beat him up, hold him in his garage. And then, uh, uh, you know, like it's it's kind of ambiguous, like what they're doing. And then all of a sudden they dump him on the middle of the street and they've like tattooed him completely black. Mm. And so he's wandering around. I think it was like LA um, trying to find his way home. And when he gets home, like his kid shoots him because he thinks he's, um, you know, a black guy trying to break into the house. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's, it's just tense. And so uh, what is the uh, criteria? How, what's the cutoff for how long they can be? I don't know. Cause they all did, ha- had different lengths. I think that one was the longest one. I think it's um, anything under 60 minutes because mm. 60 minutes technically is the qualifier for a feature. Gotcha. Um, I think it's like 15 to 45. Yeah, that's so got to be it because I don't think they're going to do like a 55. Like, I think it's different with documentaries because they tread into a different territory. But mm. but that skin one, that one, uh, those guys already have a development deal to turn that into a feature with Fox Search. Because that seems like yeah. a really like like heavy topic to be like a short subject. Yeah, but I'm not sure what else you could do with it. Um, well, I've, I mean, the, yeah, the but... only thing I've heard is that what happens in the short with the, uh, that part of it is, is, is kind of like ancillary to like a bigger thing they're going to tackle. So, but I don't know. I've only yeah. heard like bits and pieces of it. They were very excited to win their award that night. I, mean, I guess there's other places you can go with it, but I think that was the most interesting part. Yeah. Like that's the part I haven't seen before. It's, I mean, like I haven't seen it yet, but like it sounds interesting and I do want to watch it. There's a, the, the. The short, uh, the other, the only shorts that I watched were, or were able to see find where the, um, the the depressing one you were talking about earlier with the kid being killed, and that's mm-hmm. only because they were having like a debate about it because the family members didn't want to, uh, talk about it. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I, or they 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 wanted they didn't want it nominated because they didn't think they should be profiting off of their child's death. So, um, uh, then I also got to see a uh, police story one and two. In the theater, uh, which is one of Jackie Chan's great movies, two yeah. movies. Um, Were they showing at the sea? Yeah, they're at the sea because uh, Criterion recently remastered them because they yeah. were going to release them. Uh, so they had like a new presentation of it and everything. Right. Um, and uh, I, I hadn't seen them before. I'd just seen like the action fights because the finale of Police Story 1 is just incredible. Like, and it's. Like watching it and following the story this time um, mm-hmm. is amazing because there really isn't a ton of action in that movie. Right. Um, you know, he hangs off the side of that bus with the umbrella early on. And he, like he, you know, he, he chases it down on foot. 
Um, and there's a couple action sequences in between, but f for the most part, it's just like a lot of police procedural stuff mm -hmm. with a couple like lighthearted, goofy jokes, like you know, the you know his two superiors, like ones on his side, and the other ones constantly, you know the the chief of police who's <laughs> ragging on him because like you wrecked twenty cars, but that's awesome. all in in Chinese. Um, and then, uh, but the finale when they get to the mall and just like how fast Jackie Chan's like fighting and like throwing people in the glass and stuff, and it's like, like the fight sequence is so incredible. Like I immediately just walk out of there going like, ah, we need to do our action movie, guys. Well, it's one of those movies that I actually have never seen the movies, but I've seen the action scenes. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, while like, you're talking to him. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, sorry. I've only seen the <laughs> repeat it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that final scene is pretty much all I've ever seen in the yeah. story. But like watching it with the narratives, so, like I didn't like. Uh, there's also he has this uh like the other like the b plot of the movie is uh he has a girlfriend that he's kind of a dick to because he's so like wrapped up in his career um but she you know constantly like gets in the way like like she'll take a hit for him because she's just like in the wrong place at the wrong time <laughs> right. um and then uh like there's was, was one stunt where she freaks out and runs out of the apartment and gets on her moped and then he like is trying to like stop her but he accidentally gets his hand caught in her backpack and so the the scooter takes off and like she flies <laughs> off the back of it. Um, and so that carries over into the second movie, which is uh, the guy who's introducing it uh, says, you know, it's, it's like every second movie action sequel. Um, all the stunts are bigger and uh, badder and um, the story is reduced. And yeah, there's like police story one doesn't have a ton of explosions, but the finale of police story two is like a whole warehouse explodes <laughs> and Jackie stands standing in front of it. And it's like the biggest warehouse ever. Cause like some abandoned mine or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, the first one there's, it's like some criminal syndicate, um, is running a drug trade, but the second one, there's like this, um, like mysterious bomber and, uh, Jackie Chan has to track down like who's making the bombs and, um, at times it felt a little long and, but yeah. Do you think when they come out in Criterion, they're worth buying? Oh yeah. I mean, the prints look so good. Mm -hmm. Um, was that, did they show the Criterion prints there? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah, the, the the stunts are just incredible. Like they're inhuman. Some of the stuff they do. So sweet, nice. Uh, oh yeah, and then the last thing I saw, I was thinking how, how cool Police Story was. Uh, I watched with Zach Apollo Eleven. Oh, the documentary cool. version uh, of the moon landing. Yeah, we went and saw it in IMAX. Yeah, which is um interesting to watch because like Being I wasn't expecting to IMAX. Yeah, actually, uh -huh. the Colorado Center one. Yep. Yeah. Um, this had no commentary over it. It was straight up just B-roll of um, in, interspliced in order. With, yeah, interspliced with audio interviews or um, or actual audio recordings. Like the only audio interview they did was uh, Walter Cronkite's news footage and stuff. Like you heard it over the. Okay. Yeah. Like the, beginning and middle, but anyway. Yeah. There's no like people on screen commenting or like no talking being interviewed. It was just like literal. Here's what was happening at this. Like they even just show people driving up onto Cape Canaveral and parking to to watch the, mm. so you're just kind of just watching this thing unfold, uh, like my daily video project. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just amazing yeah. to watch all that stuff. Uh, tons of things you never, like a lot of stuff in the control room that you never get to see. There's, there's angles from the, um, different parts of the, 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 the space modules and stuff that you get to watch how, different parts of the ship deject. I wish James was here because he would be able to explain these technical terms better than I can. Yeah, but when the ship does shit, you get to see it in different angles. <laughs> and the, Yeah, I, w I wish he was here to explain because one of the most baffling things for me was that um, 
like when the the different sections of the capsule separate there's mm-hmm. a camera on the and then that piece is going into the ocean so i'm like how the hell do they get that footage like i guess they had a tracker on it and they could fish it out of the ocean oh, i'm sure they fish it out because they didn't want the anybody else to, like the russians or something to but this isn't it. a gopro either it's like a film reel in a canister <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the time. well it could and it, it could be like very like it doesn't have to be like big film. It could be like eight millimeter film that's right. kind of like easily compact and whatnot. Because like the footage we saw, by the way, is uh, in, it's in seventy millimeter, been fully restored. Um, a lot of which looks extremely pristine, given the situations in which you're filming that material. Like the stuff where they're on the moon or any of those angles on the ship look incredible. Like they're they're not like supremely clear, but they're not gonna be because of that's the weird for Stanley Kubrick film for it not to be. I know I was, <laughs> you know, I was just wondering. I was just like, at what point is Jack Nicholson gonna show up with an axe in this movie? Um, <laughs> a lot of asymmetrical stuff in this documentary. Actually, um, didn't you say afterward that you were just like, wow, that was the greatest Stanley Kubrick movie I ever yeah. saw? <laughs> nice. Um, but I guess they could also like I guess they could be broadcast images. That's true. Like you, you like they recorded on land. And that and, and that broadcast when it, it goes so clear, to though. they would film it on uh, kinescope. So mm-hmm. there is a there are different ways of filming stuff. But like the way they tell it is extremely fascinating and immensely watchable. I like seeing it on IMAX. I think that is a the way you should see it. I don't think you'll be able to now because I think Captain Marvel's in IMAX right now. Yeah, um, which uh, which is fine, but but seeing a the theater at all because like you also get the sound design of it. Mm-hmm. So which is something you won't get just watching on TV at home. So my favorite part of it, honestly, it's like within the first thirty minutes of this film is uh, they show the people who are gathering around the different parts of Cape Kennedy and all those things to watch the the takeoff of the rocket. And it's like a fucking, it's like a huge event. You see like Krispy Kreme vendors like handing out donuts and stuff. You see um, the parking lot of a Penny's is like filled to the fucking brim with all these cars. Like it's like one of those like. You know what I was thinking about the whole time during that though is like nowadays the police would be all over that. Yeah. You can't be here. Step aside. That's. Cording this off. That's part of what made it so fascinating because it's just like. Half their cars are like in the salt water yeah now, now it's now it's <laughs> just doing whatever now security is so extreme to that point that you couldn't even get a good vantage point of it but like so seeing yeah. that was eternally fascinating and like i could just imagine the person who was driving into work at pennies that day going like motherfucker i can't find a parking space what are they what are they doing across the way what oh a rocket great <laughs> um but yeah no it's a wonderful film um quick put the launch day sale signs up <laughs> 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 Our prices are out uh, of this world. world. <laughs> Did they actually do that? They had like a launch day sale. Uh, no, 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 no. They, they're, they're just the footage outside the penny, and it's actually extending to a bunch of different businesses too. Yeah. I mean, the the, no. the best image is seeing all the cars that are lined up across like the Cape that's just right before the ocean, because then you get that view of the rocket and whatnot. It's pretty amazing the footage that they possess in their in their in their hands, you know. Yeah. Um and then yeah, it was a good it was a good documentary. I enjoyed watching it. It was a fun birthday treat that I didn't expect to do. So, uh yeah, I think that's it for me. I've been watching a lot of Next Generation since season four. Oh uh, okay, okay, so you just decided to cheat and catch up with me. <laughs> <laughs> I've already finished watching all the seasons, so uh, okay, <laughs> I'm way ahead of you. Oh uh, okay, fine. Um, but I was, I was you know I've said it before, uh, Next Generation starting like season four and five are just. Amazing. Some of the best television writing. Um, in, uh, season six and seven. I, 
I didn't notice before was that a lot of the episodes are very like I stories about the mind. Like mm-hmm. everyone's having some kind of hallucination or um, uh, dream sequence or something that they're trying to a lot of inner decipher. Con- a lot of inner conflict stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Is that the season where Dr. Crusher porks a ghost? Uh, that's season seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. The ghost that <laughs> porked her, her grandma. <laughs> um, that's not one of the best ones of that season. Also, I loved your little uh, your little meme there, proving that once and for all that Patrick Stewart really has been Batman at some point. We just yeah. didn't. It's a secret Batman show yeah. the whole time. Uh, before the record, though, that's not the same Shakespeare bust. The, there's the collars are different. So it's it's cool to think of that <laughs> they're recycling props. Yeah, <laughs> which I think. It was ABC when the 66 show was on. But yeah, it was ABC. Star Trek is CBS. So. Star Trek was also syndicated in Paramount, so it was going to any market. That's it for me. Cool. Um, well, uh, did you want to go or me? Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Brad, what we did what we call a transition, where you both saw the same movie, so it goes right to you. I know. I just come, didn't come want, on, radio guy. I just didn't want to assume. Uh, <laughs> uh, like I said, saw Apollo 11 was great. Um, I I saw Fighting with My Family, um, the new Stephen Merchant film uh, produced by The Rock and starring The Rock. Uh, is he starring? I thought he was just like a little bit in it, or is he in it quite a bit? He actually has an important role in this film. Um, no, your role. And uh, how long of a role is it? About fifteen minutes. So, so I'd say cameo. I'd say it's an and Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and <laughs> not with. with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, <laughs> So it's the story of the wrestler called Paige. Um, she comes from this low, low, low income family who has her own like kind of wrestling operation going in London. Um, and she and her brother try out for WWE. Um, she's the only one that makes it in. Her brother doesn't. And it shows her going through the NXT uh trial runs i think i think that's what it was it's like yeah, it's, it's like, like their minor it, leagues it's, it's like i the, haven't it's, watched actually watched wrestling in years it's it's the in between before you go to the wwe and it also shows her brother who didn't get in struggling with a newborn baby and contemplating his own role in the family now that she's a success and he's not um it's it's the most heartfelt thing i didn't see coming mm-hmm. <laughs> um this it's a PG-13 film that gets away with a lot of stuff in terms of that PG-13 rating um, and has, I think it's mainly because there's so much heart in it that like you kind of overlook a lot of the language, the violence and all that stuff like to get that rating. But it's, I, I have never like seen a wrestling movie other than maybe the wrestler where they kind of really like where where they really deal with like a true emotion into it, but also make me like the sport. Like I'm not like too into wrestling and whatnot. I've never, I didn't grow up with it, you know? So it's not like something that was mainly a part of me. I've been getting into it lately. Thanks to those documentaries that you've been recommending Ryan and uh, other ones that I've been finding. This film was like a fun watch for someone who's just getting into it. Mm-hmm. I like the story of Paige. I think uh, Florence Pugh who plays Paige is fantastic in the film. Um, Nick Frost has one of the best roles he's ever gotten in a movie that doesn't have to do with just getting laughs. Like he shows genuine tender emotion in this film that doesn't have to do with him playing like a man child. Like butter. <laughs> like butter. Um, um excuse like, me, what about when he played Santa Claus? When did he play Santa Claus? On Doctor Who, on the Christmas special. I haven't watched all of Doctor Who, so Psh. 
I heard there's I heard there's a lot of things going on in the Doctor Who's. Um but uh no, I mean fighting with my family's great. Like I think only Steve it seems weird, but I think only Steven Merchant could have like wrote this film as brilliantly as it it turned out to be because there's a lot of like there's a lot of like cynical humor to it that balances out with the heart, so it's like very clever and very intelligently designed. So um I would um I would check out Fighting with My Family. Um, it's it blew me away. I want to go see it again. Uh, I saw Happy Death Day to You. Nice. Which you're right. That film's fun. Yeah. Uh, a lot more heart and humor in it than thrills and chills and spills, but um, I loved what they did with Danielle at the end. Yeah, that's great. And why, this is why the news of them not doing a third one pisses me off because I want that story to somehow mm-hmm. continue. Maybe they can do like direct to streaming sequels or something like that and like follow the ancillary characters. Don't even follow Jessica Roth because I think she's going to go on and be like a huge ass star. She could be, yeah. She's um, good. She's great in it. Um, and I liked the fact that it it's a movie about getting over grief, which I yeah. really respected them doing in a 90 minute Groundhog Day type yeah. comedy. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I would check out Happy Death Day to You. Um, rewatch Mr. Smith Goes to Washington um, on the movie. Blu-ray that I picked up. Uh, it's the same one that you have the book one. Mm-hmm. Had a really great hour and forty-five minute documentary on Capra, which yeah. was fun to watch. Like you know, is based... it the one with his son? No, maybe that's not on. No, Mr. well, Smith. Th- maybe that's uh, Mr. Deeds. I, this one has a bunch of interviews with his son mm-hmm. about Mr. Smith, but this also had a. It's an hour and a half to hour and forty-five minute documentary hosted by Ron Howard, which I'm like, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, it, they just go through his whole career and how he kind of basically like fell out of favor after It's a Wonderful Life. And Did you order that off Amazon? No, I picked it up at Barnes & Nobles a couple weeks back. Because uh, um, those are those are hard to find, those book ones. Now. I know. I was, And that's why I wanted to get it from Barnes & Nobles because I wanted that edition mm-hmm. on my shelf. Cause yeah, because I think nice. they changed them just to the standard again. Yeah, which sucks. Because that's how I think I'm going to get Lost Horizon, which blows. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but Mr. Smith Goes to Washington still fucking great uh jimmy stewart still amazing in the film uh claude rains as the uh, as senator Payne, who's technically the villain uh, is i think claude rains is still one of the most watchable actors of that era you'll ever see um and um there is one thing that like i've seen mr smith so many times never thought of this until this time there's a scene before he uh, goes to his first day in the Senate chambers where he goes to Mount Vernon to get inspiration, but we don't get to see it. And I want to see a scene of Jimmy Stewart walking through Mount Vernon going like, oh, look at that over there. That must have been Washington's spatula, and that must have been his bed over there. Oh, let me lie on his bed for a little bit. <laughs> just see this, like, jingoistic, lovely young, lovely young man, like, just obsess over Washington's, like, home in Mount Vernon would have been hilarious to me. Um, I've never seen this movie. Does Jimmy Stewart play a frantic or anxious man in it? He plays a timid man who learns how to become brave in the power of adversity and corruption and greed. He's great yeah. in it. I, I guess like Jimmy is... Stewart, but it seems like he always plays like a very frantic or anxious man. Grace, get over like, here. Oh, <laughs> Grace, oh, get over here. Me. There's a sinister looking kid I want you to see. <laughs> <laughs> he plays an old dog in uh, An American Tale, Bible Goes West. Because oh, at that point, I probably that was, was an old dog. Role, wasn't it? That was his last role, wasn't it? Yeah, it's his last acting role because like, he kind of retreated from acting um, after the uh, the 60s and whatnot because his son died in Vietnam. Yeah. So uh, he kind of retreated and he did some stuff here and there. Like, obviously, the five goes west being the last one. But I think he was also kind of done with acting at that point. Yeah. It's, just, it's weird listening to his story because, um, like, we don't really talk about him post the Hitchcock years. <laughs> well, he, his trajectory is a lot like Grant's. Is, 
they, I mean, they both started around the same time. Yeah. And then, and they then kinda... they're in the business for 35 years. And then, I mean, Grant had his little daughter and he's just like, I'm done. He just kind of went away quietly. Yeah. He's, I'm done. There's no like, there's no real hoorah. Although Jimmy's is sadder than Grant's. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms well, of I mean, son. Yeah. I mean, Grant was fine. He was happy raising his daughter and became like a Fabergé like spokesperson and made tons of money. Thanks, LSD. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Sorry, that was rude. Um, uh, on the classic kick, though, I did fit another fitness cinema and watched Singing in the Rain, uh, which was like, finally, they're getting some good movies here. This whole month is Marvel movies and musicals. Nice. So the whole month the is M&Ms. filled with something I want to watch, uh, except for tomorrow is apparently showing James Cameron's Avatar, which I'm like, I'm not doing a three-hour workout. Um, uh, but Singing in the Rain, uh, wonderful film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wonderful film co-directed by Stanley Donan um, uh, and Gene Kelly. Uh, tells the story of how silent cinema um, turned into sound cinema um, through the eyes of two idealistic creative types. Um, Donald O'Connor's footwork in the Make Him Laugh thing oh, yeah. made me – like I texted it to you. I'm just like I I feel inadequate trying to run on a treadmill while watching them dance like crazy-ass hoofers. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, but I did get like a good 5.6 miles out of it and nice. burn some, burn some calories. So that was fun. Um, I rewatched, uh, Passage to Marseille, which is a movie about free French, um, fighters it, during world war two, starring Humphrey Bogart, uh, Claude Rains again, Peter Laurie and Sydney Greenstreet. And I think this is one of the few times where Peter Laurie is a hero in a movie. Cause like he's, he's still like, like uh, 20,000 leagues under the sea. Okay. Okay, okay, that's true. But in a movie with Bogart and Green Street and Claude Rains, <laughs> yeah. Twenty Thousand Leagues doesn't have those other three people I just mentioned. That's true. Um, but it does have James Mason in it. But 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 does your movie Total have lot. does your movie have Peter Lorre grabbing a machine gun turret and blowing Nazis out of the sky and then dying while doing it? So he died nobly. Peter Lorre died nobly in a movie once, guys. Good. Yeah. It's wonderful. Uh, the rest of the movie is really great, though. It's it's a series of flashbacks, though, showing how they got onto the boat that they're on. So it keeps going like inception into this, inception into that. Like it's it's like a, tr- a level of flashback that, uh, but it's still a wonderful film directed by Michael Curtiz. So it's essentially like a mini Casablanca reunion, and I believe from everything I've read, this was apparently the film they were trying to pitch as a Casablanca sequel that then turned into this. So didn't um, they make a Casablanca sequel? <laughs> No, oh. they they talked about it though. Uh, I talked about it on a, a couple months ago, but like if you read the book, um, uh, we'll always have Casablanca. They talk about how they tried for a good year and a half period to make a sequel to Casablanca possible, and it was going to follow Rick and Louis joining the Free French um, Army because um, they just wanted to follow those characters again. Right. Um, so yeah. Um, Still a great film. Um, and then the last thing I uh, rewatched were the road, the first two road movies, Road to Singapore and Road to Zanzibar. Uh, Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, mm-hmm. Dorothy Lamore. Great films. Um, I noticed, though, the first two take a while to seem to get the right balance of comedic patter with them and story. Because by the time he gets Road to Morocco, they finally just say, like, fuck it, it's the Bob and Bing show with <laughs> yeah. also Dorothy Lamore. Um, the, the, the things that stood out for me... Rewatching it this time is uh, 
One, you could not uh, do the brown face that Bob and Bing do in that movie ever again, um, uh, which, you know, rightfully so. But like because they 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 put brown paste on themselves to sneak into a native feast on this island that they're all staying on. Um, number two is also um, Jerry Colonna, who's the voice of the mad hair in uh, Alice in Wonderland is in it. Um, and then in Road to Zanzibar. Bob Hope does Batman cosplay before there was Batman cosplay. <laughs> it's just basically he's a human bat. When that come out? Uh, nineteen forty one. Okay, so Batman was already out. Yeah, it was, but he was the first cosplayer. I mean, it was, it's mainly a joke. He's just a human bat. It's one of many schemes that the character's doing to uh, to earn money in vaudeville. So, like, there's one point where they're shocking him so that he can have a light bulb turn on in his mouth. So, anyway, that's all I watched this week, guys. Um, I watched Captain America in 4K. It looks good. Um, Did you get the steelbook? Yeah. The, nice. I, I mean, the, the colors are a little more muted because I, the way it was shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some uh, great moments. Um, the the scene where the, the factory is blowing up and uh, Red Skull reveals his true face to Captain America looks amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the sound, the, the audio mix is really where it's at. Um and I mean, you can see little details on their uniforms and stuff, stitches and things. And, um, but the audio mix is amazing. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Um, the only thing on the the disc is the movie, so it, it has room to breathe and sound great. Does it come with the Blu-ray that also has oh, special yeah. features? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah, I was gonna say the the 4K itself is just the movie. Yeah, the 4K itself is just the movie, which okay. happens a lot. Because, but the special features are on the Blu-ray, so you're not getting. Yeah, you're not getting. You're not missing anything. Um, I was surprised how much his floating head isn't. Like, I remember it being way more floaty. I don't at all. Actually, I think the guy. special effects look amazing, like, to yeah. this day. Uh, maybe maybe because it's res- uh, the higher resolution. That's what I'm wondering is, like, because... Because, you know, even on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, Rocket's fur looks way more realistic. Yeah, I feel like I know, when I watch, like, really... Like, really detailed CGI, like, on a lesser resolution screen, mm. it stands out. Yeah. But when it's screened properly it's it's all right i wonder if it's because that's what the artists are working on i think so and then you know it has to be downscaled yeah Uh, it has to be i mean i don't know i'm not that i don't know technical stuff that well but i'm sure it has something to do with it yeah um i also have been rewatching the office and gay witch hunt has always been my favorite episode because i think it encapsulates Michael Scott so well where he's really inappropriate but he really cares about the people he works with Mm -hmm. but I've watched uh, the dinner party like four times this week oh my god just because I think it's because it's so intricate and the characters in it are so great that I'm trying to catch each little character moment in it Mm -hmm. and it's amazing that's one of the hardest episodes for me to watch because it's so freaking awkward it is and I think that's why it's so great um because, I mean, there's even, you know, Jim has the excuse that his apartment's flooding and he's still going to leave Pam there. <laughs> and it's it's funny. Dick move, bro. Yeah. You can always get more stuff, Jim. You can't always get yourself another party. <laughs> um, isn't there like uh, the sliding door? Yeah, like, that is... Michael ran into it because he heard the ice cream man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like they don't say that until like it's like one of those jokes that pays off later because... Like it, Pam's just like it's cold in here, like throughout the whole party, and then <laughs> yeah, later so on when you find out down. like why it's yeah. And I mean, there's a funny line where Michael leans over to Pam and says, "I can't be sure, but I think she's poisoning my <laughs> dinner." And the last two people to get dinner are her, him, and Pam because she thinks Pam is hooked up with Michael. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, 
Yeah, I love that episode. So I, I've watched it because I just I, I, love, I love the little the thing about the plasma rip. screen. Oh movie. yeah, he's like mounting it myself. <laughs> Good luck paying me back for that. Um, <laughs> um, but so yeah, I just because I I watched it that many times. So I was watching each character, and I really wanted to see their moments because I think Jan's really great in it too. Um, the the lady who plays her, Melora Hardin, is really great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know what I mean, babe. Um, so yeah, I watched that. Uh, I watched A Star is Born with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. I'm <laughs> off the deep end. Yeah, <laughs> that's the song in there. Yeah. Um, that's a song in there. Uh, the movie's really great. Um, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, uh, it, it's a, a lot more depressing than the other Star is Born. It's like it's Whoa. a little more. Wait, yeah. which one are you talking about? Uh, either one. A little more. They're both. Uh, all three. three. <laughs> yeah, I know. Three so I mean, uh, Judy Garland and I've seen the Barbra Streisand one. So it's. This one gets more out of the Barbara Streisand one, technically, because yeah. of the country element. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, Bradley Cooper's really great. And I think he, his character is really great because you, he plays it really well when you can tell he's actually drunk or on drugs. Yeah. Because he's different. It seems like a – like, have you, you've read his thing about it, right? Where, like, because he was an alcoholic, like uh-huh. a, a huge-ass alcoholic and whatnot. And, like, so he's tapping into something that, you know, must be difficult to tap into because you're – especially if you're – you know, trying to stay clean and stuff like that. Yeah. So, like, it, it's 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 an amazing performance. And like, when he pees at the Grammys, like, it's oh, it's yeah. both like what the hell and so sad at the same time. Yeah, it's it's really sad. And you know, his his end is my. And then my wife couldn't stop crying, and she said, "I it just makes me think that if something happened to you, I'm like, wow, she actually cares about me." Um, I'm, I'm, Ryan, I'm, I'm, Ryan, not gonna, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Quiet. How did she like the movie? Uh, she loved it. Ryan, whatever you do, don't write a country song and crush pills with a boot. <laughs> <laughs> and then hang myself in a garage. I think I'm. Oh dead. my god! Oh, that was so depressing. Because <laughs> the dog's there. That poor dog has to witness it. Yes. Uh, um, beautifully shot, though. Yeah. Very well done, Matthew Libatique, man. Um, and then I uh, just watched a couple other things. I watched uh, three Cary Grant films. Um, you don't say, uh, yeah, do you? Yeah. Um, I watched The Howards of Virginia, which I wanted to like a lot more because Cary Grant plays an American in the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the American Revolution it doesn't happen until like the last thirty minutes, but it's basically <laughs> it's uh, a secret. It's a secret war so movie. It's like the Patriot. Uh, Is it Cary Grant's The Patriot? No, because The Patriot's badass. Um, this movie, I mean, so he's not badass in this movie. No, he's not. In fact, you know, he he but believes he was mis- hot. In this yes. Movie. He believes he's miscast in it, and uh, and actually, I was reading uh, more stories behind the scenes, and he wanted to make it because he wanted to prove that because he wanted to be an American citizen, and so he made it. He's like, I can play an American, but he was really miscast, and not that he's really bad in it, but he's really like yelling in it throughout the whole thing, and he's mm-hmm. really excited, and um, the intensity's uh, misplaced. <laughs> yeah, and so the the story is is he's from the backwoods of Virginia. And he wears like buckskins, and his, the girl he's interested in is from high society. Yeah, and they end up getting married, and so their cultures are constantly clashing. Right. Um, yeah. This is this is not Carrie Grant's wheelhouse. No. So, and then of course, her family is you know sides with they're loyalists, so they side with the British, and then you know his his friends are the rough and tumble people from Virginia. And um, <laughs> let me guess, they all sound like they're from Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's some great moments in it when she goes to the house the first time and they're all like living out of a log cabin and drinking and eating food. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. It's just 
not his best. I still think it's better than Night and Day. Just Night and Day is too boring. How does like so? I've never seen this one, I've, although I've heard stories about it. Does he like? Does he attempt to do like? Is it still his kind of like teetering accent, or does he try to do something Virginian? Uh, he does do an accent in there, but it's not noticeable because he he does it throughout the whole film. So it's like this is like this is why I love this period of time that you and I get to talk about because it's the only time where an actor can like do whatever accent they want and mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Humphrey Bogart plays a French person and passes to Marseille, and it literally sounds like a Bronx French freshman. It's weird as yeah. shit, and I love it. Yeah, you know, it's I mean the the movie's really well done, and then I mean the actual when they start getting into the war is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but just takes a little bit to get there and it's not a bad movie it's just maybe not a Cary Grant movie it's there <laughs> yeah it's there uh where someone like maybe like uh, Bogart actually would probably be pretty a lot better in the role all right now um, we're gonna go take on the red coats <laughs> yeah but, but he also like has a son who is born with like a limp and so he's really mean to his kid played by Heath Ledger as well <laughs> yes uh, and then he has another son who's you know not and he's really athletic and he's really it's really weird mm-hmm. um so, such um, as some of the case of those yeah. war movies back then. Yeah, I mean, it's all right. Yeah. Um, I also watched that Touch of Mink, which is uh, Cary Grant and Doris Day. Oh yeah. Um, and in it, Cary Grant plays this ad executive who just likes to have fun. Doris Day is an unemployed woman who's looking for a husband. Oh, Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so at the beginning of the the movie, Cary Grant's limousine drives by her and splashes her with water. And oh, he feels shit. bad, so he sends his lackey across the street to buy her a new dress or pay for the dry cleaning. And she says, well, if he wants to apologize, he can apologize to himself. And she goes on this, like, tyrant tirade and says, okay, go tell him. And then she falls in love with him because he comes out in, like, a suit and he's rich and he's Cary Grant. Um, I mean, fair. Fair. <laughs> and so she's struggling with it because he invites her to all these places. And then she Wait, realizes. isn't she married? Uh, no, she's not married in this. Um in this movie. Um, I thought you said she was looking for her husband. She's looking for a husband. Oh, is he dead? Oh, she's looking for a husband, not oh. her husband. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Semantics. Um, so uh, eventually she, he takes her to uh, somewhere in France, like a beach in France. Mm. And they go into the room and there's only one bed. So that's what they're there for. So it's actually pretty funny. They're, Going through like dinner and they go shades of gray over here. So they're going to dinner and like out on town and everywhere she looks, she just sees the bed because she knows that they're not wearing a wedding ring. And um, it's really silly. It's a it's one of his uh, lighter comedies where there's not a lot of uh, weight being carried by anybody. It's just them having fun. It's a fun movie. Again, not one of his better ones, but. Still fun. I mean, I'll watch it again because it's it's fun. You can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. That's right. Um, and it seems that in this era of Cary Grant, late 50s into the 60s, he kind of has played like... He runs the, into the same problem that every actor who was big in the 30s and 40s does, which is you're transitioning popularity over to a younger generation, and the times are changing very yeah, quickly. Yeah, and I mean, the movie's still fun, and I, you know, he... He ages a lot better than some of the other ones. I think he uh, he because he knows what he wants to be, and I mean I just got a biography on him. I'm interested to read it because I, I from what I know of him, he's really set on what he wants to be, mm-hmm. and even at that time, so he wouldn't take a role unless he felt that. So was Charade toward the end of his yeah. career? Charade was I think his 
fourth last movie. Okay. Because I know sh- he has a lot of gray hair in it. Yeah, because so Charade was 64? 63 or 64? 60 is definitely. And, he, and his last movie, actually, um, I have it. It's uh, I haven't watched it yet. It's called Walk, Don't Run. I know that's 66. Mm-hmm. And then he did uh, Father Goose, then Walk, Don't Run. Um, so, yeah, he's he's almost done by then. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one I watched was uh, Destination Tokyo. Uh, Cary Grant plays a submarine captain, and they have a top-secret mission uh, that they don't even know until they're 24 hours outside of New, uh, California. And the mission is they have to go pick up a meteorologist in the uh, in Tokyo Bay, and they have to do it through a submarine. Um, and the movie is actually really, really good. Um because it's it's like two two hours fifteen minutes long, mm-hmm. but in it, I mean, Cary Grant's in it a lot. Obviously, he's a star, but they also break away to the uh, crew, and they all have these stories. And the guy named Wolf is really funny because he always has a story about how he's trying to pick up women. Um, and then a lot of those on a submarine. Yeah, and then there's uh, and he sleeps with a doll, and uh, it tells this really funny story. He has this like big size like what he sleeps with a doll. Yeah, so there's this big size like Barbie in a. Kind it was the forties. They all did <laughs> in a bikini, huh. and they go. How big of a doll are we talking here? <laughs> and he, that's I don't know, it's like eighteen inches. And they and they say, uh, and the, so his guys like, why do you have that? He's like, because I take it out. She goes out with me in town. And they're like, why do you do that? He said, because when I sit down and a girl comes up to me, she's like, can't you do any better? He's like, I don't know. Can I get your number? And it's like, <laughs> it's really dorky, like forties like nice humor. Breaker. That's um, weird, adorable. <laughs> um, and then it, it's interspersed though too with because um, you start to really like these guys, mm-hmm. and then they're attacked at one point by uh, Japanese planes, um, and one of them dies in like a really oh, John Garfield. That's right. <laughs> in a really like gruesome way, and. Uh, and then they, it's how they develop the bond, and uh, it's actually pretty intense because they have to go through the Tokyo Bay without getting detected, uh, and they do some pretty cool miniature work in it. Uh, I mean, if you like war movies, and uh, do I? Yeah, and you, you know, can stand nineteen forty films, and this is this is a really good one. Yeah. Um, mm. It it's not quite like I like Father Goose a little more because it's a little more fun, um, but this is if you want a serious. Um, Pro- Grant. So Prop- like hunt, propaganda. Hunt oh yeah, I mean, the, yeah, yeah. It's like that. I mean, it's really like, look at the boys here loading up the because uh, they even have that opening where it's like they're sending out secret codes across the Atlantic or the Pacific. I watched that with, with, with Passage to Marseille. They were like, there's a whole prologue about how the free French are badass, which I'm yeah. like, yes, they are. I don't need a reminder. Just yeah. just get to the movie. So it's pretty good. <laughs> um, also, um, I. I haven't seen that movie in a while, but like I remember um, looking at it now. Alan Hale Sr., who plays Cookie, mm-hmm. um, he was uh, Friar Tuck in uh, Errol Flynn's Robin Hood, and also yeah. and also Friar Tuck in Douglas Fairbanks' Robin Hood, and then Robin and Friar Tuck again in another Robin Hood thing in the fifties. Yeah, I, I mean the movie's really really well acted. Um, it's really good. You should definitely check if you if you're interested in that stuff or you know golden era. War movies. It's it's one of the better ones I've seen. I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should definitely watch it. Um, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we went and saw Captain Marvel. Yeah, Brad, should people see Captain Marvel? Uh, yeah, they should see Captain Marvel. Um, I'm just kind of on the middle on the road of this because, uh, like, the first half of the movie. I was very kind of confused, and I thought the pacing was odd, and the editing was not quite there. Um, but it really kind of comes together by the end. Um, and also, I didn't feel like, as a character, she, I didn't feel like she was the star of her own movie until the end. Um, she she kind of felt along for the ride, which kind of makes sense for the story, but also, like, as far as, like, empowering women, 
Like, I don't know beyond that she's powerful and that she used to be a pilot, like, personality-wise. Like, I don't get a sense. Like, I was comparing it to Guardians of the Galaxy where, like, Peter Quill, like, has all the best jokes and, uh, you know, he has, like, this affinity for uh, 70s, 80s music. But Carol's just kind of like, I was a pilot once and um, that's kind of the extent of my personality and I'm stoic. Like, she's not a goofball, um, you know, she doesn't have a lot of good one-liners cringe shaking her head i will literally like she maybe has like three like one-liners um not that interesting so but other than that like and also there's a lot of stuff it, it feels like it's just tying it into the next movie because it feels like a little fillery for me so zach um i really liked uh marvel's version of i love the 90s um, I thought it was a really great tribute to a wonderful era in time. No, I think you should go see Captain Marvel. Um, I really like this movie a lot. Um, I'm not in agreement with you, Brad. I think Carol Danvers has a wonderful character that I really enjoyed watching. Um, she has a moment at the beginning of the film that really endured me to her because for the first 10 to 15 minutes, I was getting a bit like, okay, where are we going? And then I kind of it kind of kicked for me a little bit with something she does and also something the story does. So I think you should go see it. Uh, I think Sam Jackson's CGI thing's great in it, uh, as is uh, Clark Gregg's, uh, although we'll talk about his haircut too. Um, and uh, I really liked Ben Mendelsohn in this film a lot. I think Ben Mendelsohn is the secret, uh, one, one of two secret uh, joys in this film. Um, the other one comes from Carol Danvers' friend, but... Um, but yeah, I think you should go see it. Uh, Bowden and Fleck did a great job. Corinne? Eh, it's fine. No, <laughs> oh my gosh. Other than the 25 minutes of preview that I had to sit through, this movie was amazing. Everybody needs to go see it. And actually, I think you should go see it multiple times because that's what I did. Full disclosure, I saw this movie twice. Nice. I saw it on Thursday at the fan event, and then I saw it last night at the AMC on Bowls. And seeing it a second time, I... I think it helped me process it more because mm, don't want to give away too much, but let's just say once you've seen it, you're like, okay, now you know full context of what's going on. So when you go back and you watch the beginning, you're like, oh, they were setting that up the whole time. That's why people do these things and go to these places and whatever. So I think it's worth seeing multiple times. It's a great movie. I had a great time. Made me want to go out and kick some scroll butt at nice. the end. Do it. Do it. Uh, yeah, I'm in that boat too. I'm a huge Carol Danvers fan. Um, I I've, have a lot of her comics. I have them all from. I, I have when, a lot of her comics. <laughs> when, they, uh, when they switched over to when she became Captain Marvel, mm -hmm. um, Avenging Spider-Man number nine. Uh, when they switched over that, I'm like, I like this character. So then I started getting all her stuff. Um, her early stuff is really hard to find uh, when she's Miss Marvel. Mm. Um, but I, I really love this movie because I knew where it was going. And if you've read the, um, the her early stuff, she didn't know. Uh, so it basically blending two stories here. So uh, when she was in, in Miss Marvel, she didn't know that she was Miss Marvel. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of blending. She didn't know. Uh, so she would pass out and become Miss Marvel and do all these wonderful things. And then she'd come back to being Carol. Um, and then... Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick kind of went through and changed her to an Air Force pilot, mm -hmm. um, made her, um, you know, kind of a badass. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, there's, I just love seeing stuff like this again, because as you grow up with this stuff or you love this stuff, you never think it'd be so um, accepted. 
because I mean you're you're watching a woman mm. who get who uh, <laughs> is it really accepted? Well, that's a super small minority of people. Uh, yeah. she's a. I mean, it's a woman who absorbs power and can shoot laser beams and stuff. Not her fists. Of her fists. And awesome. Yeah, Sam Jackson is amazing in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his CGI, you can't even tell. I, I think it's astounding. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you should see it. And here's the uh, the trailer for Captain Marvel. So, Skrulls are the bad guys. And you're a Kree, a race of noble warriors. Heroes. Noble warrior heroes. Your life began the day it nearly ended. We found you. With no memory, we made you one of us. So you could live longer, stronger, superior. You were reborn. I keep having these memories. Something in my past is the key to all of this. You know how to fly this thing? We'll see. That's a yes or no question. Yes. Would you like to know what you really are? I think I had a life here. What aren't you telling me? You've come a long way. But you're not as strong as you think. This war is just the beginning. I'm not going to fight your war. I'm going to end it. So I predicted correctly that that cat was going to be a very important and also could have separated out into its own little adventure with Sam Jackson. Yeah. So in the comics, the cat is named Chewie and it's the same thing. So I kind of goose in the movie. right? Yeah. It's goose in the movie because it's playing on Tom Cruise movie. Some kind of copyright issue. That's weird that they would change it. Uh, my guess because Chewie is Star Wars, maybe. But, but Disney own. owns Star yeah. Wars. <laughs> yeah, I know. But Disney doesn't own <laughs> Top Gun. It's really weird. But, I mean, it makes more sense. Uh, for her, it's, you know, the pilot. She's in Top Gun, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, and um, just to be clear, we're in spoiler territory now for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. So don't listen to this yeah. anymore. Mallrats is officially part of the MCU, guys. Yeah. I think yep. Top Gun's Paramount. So like, It is. It's weird. That they own Chewie, but they went to Paramount to get yeah. Goose. Which they're both co-pilots. At <laughs> yeah. Yep. I don't know. Um, 
But uh, so yeah, I cried in the first ten seconds when it's uh, the that Marvel logos. It's just Stan Lee cameos everywhere. I'm like, son of a bitch. I I both cried and it also started giggling uncontrollably, going like, "This is amazing." (laughs) I I hope they never change it. (laughs) I would love it just to be Stan Lee constantly. I think they might just keep it through the whole year. Maybe Uh, I'll probably change it. Get a great impressionist to do the Marvel theme as Stan Lee, just going like. And so yeah. I mean, in the in the film, uh, Veers is a Kree warrior, mm-hmm. and she's with um, what is I forget. It's like Yon Gore, I think. Yon Rog. Yon Rog, and he, they're uh, part of an elite fighting team that go wipe Kree Star Force. Yeah, it's Kree Star Force that go and fight the Skrulls because they're in, involved in a huge war that's been going on for a long time. You can read it in the comics called the Kree and Skull War. Mm-hmm. I was very confused by that opening mission. Like, what the person they were trying to get was supposed to he was, it was like a Kree a, spy he, he, yeah. infiltrating the scrolls yeah but so, it was an ambush the scrolls knew about it they had already gotten the spy had masqueraded as the spy and then captured carol or veers okay uh because remember they need carol for what they explained about an hour and a half later in the film right um, which that's something i appreciated about that film this film is that it because I knew we were getting an origin story, I liked that they mm, kind of like we? drop you in with very little knowledge in a disorienting fashion, and then slowly build the build the piece back together throughout the film. I enjoyed that aspect of this, and I mean, there there's something that she does at, when they're probing her mind in that Cree uh, or in that scroll um, encampment that I really love. Like she's fighting the. The scrolls, and at one point I was like, oh, "Is she gonna be like? Is she, she seems kind of just like too serious and whatnot." And she's fighting one of the scrolls, and she punches one. He he like does a little scroll cry or whatever, and she just goes, Eah! and then punches. And I was like, "Oh, I love this character. She's so awesome. I want to see her keep doing things." Like she just like get got in the face of that that scroll. I really liked it, and then and then she goes down to earth. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, you know, she goes to Earth and because she's looking for uh, Doctor Lawson, who was played by Annette Benning, um, who developed something that the scrolls want, mm-hmm. and, and looking great in a leather jacket, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then she meets Sam Jackson and uh, Agent Coulson. And... Yeah, I feel about the time like I kind of agree with Brad. The first time I saw it, that first sequence, like up to when the scrolls capture her and they're doing like the mind recovery thing and then like once but once she gets down to earth like i feel like the story picks up a lot yeah it's again it's it's tough i mean they're asking a lot of the audience because yeah they don't spend a lot of time with the exposition it goes very fast Uh, for comic people i'm like oh this is awesome we're already in the middle of the kree scroll war Mm -hmm. um that's already been waging on and uh but someone like me who's completely yeah no i was just like what so so like i i i have zero to none knowledge of captain marvel other than nick fury and so i see like i i don't understand because i i was on board for the ride like yeah pretty much from moment one because like i i kind of liked being able to experience the world as it unfolded for me and kind of just pick things up where I go. And along. I, I love too, that Sam Jackson was now, he wasn't um, Nick Fury. Like we know him. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like a cool Nick Fury. Cause I love the, uh, he doesn't seem as jaded. Yeah. He uh, still runs like a 70 year old man though. He is not yeah. running nimbly. <laughs> no, that's all right. But like, I, I love uh, when they're sitting and they're about to go into uh, the place where Dr. Lawson's supposed to be at. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, my friends call me fury. And my mom, 
calls me Fury. Fury. And if I have kids, they're going to call me Fury. <laughs> it's just like so stupid. And but then he's awesome. in the elevator with uh, the Skrull guy. Yeah. He's like, uh, he responds to him as Nick or something. He's yeah. that look of like, what'd you just call me? <laughs> yeah. And that's what leads him to do the yeah. little security question. But before yeah. that, I have questions of, so when they're doing the autopsy room, and that's the first time you see like the humanoid, cre- mm-hmm. uh, his boss, like, how did they not, like, don't they know who their bosses are? What? Wait, what? Wait, who who knows who whose bosses are? Uh, Nick Fury and um. Oh, how does he not know that um Ben Mendelsohn's character replaced uh, his actual boss with that Cree with a scroll? scroll? Well, that's part of the scrolls like thing is they can infiltrate anybody. Yeah, so they he can says, sim. Like, yeah, like your more recent memories. That's yeah, what they were so but about. so at that time they probably didn't have anything of past value to discuss but then yeah, when they're in just... the elevator that's when he's probing the past because they only have like memory for up to like what like d- literally just like a week a week yeah. of time mm-hmm. and then uh um carol like she finds her way to that bar but then nick fury is just there because he got a description of a, the motorcycle thief mm-hmm. I guess I must have missed that part. Yeah. Also, he's he says Fury that, shown he up says that in the autopsy room. We've yeah. never had a problem with Nick Fury showing up whenever. How did he get to the fucking farm like just in time to talk to the Avengers in Age of Ultron? Like he's it's Nick similar. Fury. Yeah, exactly. He's just Nick <laughs> Fury. There's some things you just need to let go of. You know, I, I love the story how he lost his eye. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I love when Coulson uh. comes into his office. Like, wow, you really lost your eye. Well, the Krees were what like hollowing it out or something. It really got it scratched it, off it, by a cat. It called back Winter Soldier uh, very well because the line in Winter Soldier, last time I trusted someone, I, I lost, lost an eye. eye. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, Good stuff. And um, Coulson has one of my favorite lines in the movie, though. Um, so in the scene after like they confront her at the Bockbuster, it turns into a car chase down the road. Or like that goes through the trains and then down like the highways, <laughs> and Coulson and Jackson get in the car and they drive for a while and then at one point uh, Fury answers the phone and it's Coulson and he says like Hey guys I'm still at the Blockbuster where is everyone and I was just like isolate that moment there and that's been my entire childhood <laughs> wondering where my parents were uh, guys I'm still at the Blockbuster <laughs> um. And then, um, and that Stanley cameo is yeah, it's money. I I mean, you texted me saying I pro I that I'm think Kevin Smith probably cried, and I'm like, yeah, he probably did. And then you sent me that confirmation later of just Kevin Smith looking like a puppy dog who's got lost. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's weird that like, they went through, they put him in that, and they didn't like they just used like 95 year old Stanley when like in '96 he like <laughs> yeah. he still had color in his hair and yeah, I was reading uh, the Hollywood Reporter with the directors about that and they added the part where um where carol you know pulls down the script and she looks at him she adds that like little smile and looks at him for a little bit kind of like oh and yeah so it was great yeah. and that was a great moment and you know then she just walks up and punches a scroll old lady yeah love it it's wonderful and um i liked how they actually added the whole ronin and uh dijon hunsu character yeah. back into their because like I wasn't, I knew that they were gonna be in it, but I was like, well, they're gonna be the same things as I, I, Ronan. I knew obviously, but well, I was like, was Dijon Hunsu gonna be the same guy from Jaiman Hunsu? Jaiman Hunsu was gonna yeah. be the same one from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, well, and, and, and it's apparent that he is. Well, yeah, and the Ronan, the Accuser. I mean, when because obviously I'm pretty, I'm gonna guess that um, uh, 
the next Captain Marvel movie is going to be the Kree Scroll War, mm-hmm. and he plays a pretty big part in that because I mean, even says in uh, I think it's Avengers or no, I mean Guardians of the Galaxy that he's just going to wipe them all out, and he wiped them all out. So, yeah, um, yeah. no, it's or did he? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, are they going to set up Secret Thank Invasion because that would be awesome? I also like the moment where she, after she landed in the blockbuster, she thinks she hears something. She destroys, and then she just destroys that true lies standing <laughs> and just blows Schwarzenegger's head off, leaving Jamie Lee Curtis's. Goes out to the that car, and she goes, like, where can I find communication devices? And the cop just points to Radio Shack. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, and there's there's moments that, to me, uh, like, I, sh- I shed another tear in this moment because I love the character of Carol Danvers. Um, it's when she figures out who she is and people mm-hmm. trying to hold her down mm-hmm. and then the montages of her getting back up over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. And then she just smokes the superior intelligence. It's awesome. I love the line um, uh, at, when she's fighting Jula at the end of the desert. It's like, I don't need to prove anything to you. Or Yeah. Just like, yeah. I just And then uh, also the scene between her and her friend from the Air Force. Uh, I cannot remember her name. Maria Rambo. Maria Rambo, Rambo, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, that scene... It's the one moment in this otherwise very Marvel movie where it stops and becomes an independent film for about five minutes where they just talk about, like, what it's like to lose. Like, losing you or, like, finding out that you're an alien warrior is not the the hard part right here. The hard part was knowing that my friend was gone or dead and having to deal with that. I was, oh, I love that scene so much. It's great. When I saw that the first time, I was kind of surprised they didn't do a flashback because she asked like you know what did i do that morning or you know what happened that day and so maria like goes through and like tells her about part of the day that happened up to before the crash and it's a smart choice not to show flashback because it shows that shows the power of the performance of that moment and their connection and friendship yeah yep like i say it becomes an indie film for five minutes (laughs) it's pretty wonderful yeah and you know this part where she's like i don't have anything to prove to you I, i think Jude Law is really great at that moment because you can see that he's afraid mm-hmm. and he doesn't know what she's going to do to him. And then she's like, nope, you can go tell him I'm coming for him. It reminded awesome. me of the end of Iron Man 3 when Guy Pierce is like, I am the man. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's awesome. And then, yeah, uh, the Protector Initiative. Nah, nah, that's stupid. The Avenger Initiative. Yeah. So <laughs> the actually, first Avenger. Yeah. When I saw that the second time, so they're when they're in the uh, like the archive room, her and Fury, and they're looking through the profile of the doctor, Dr. Lawson, and there is that photo that she looks at where she sees her in the background with her plane, and it does say, you can see part of the word Avenger and then Danvers. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, so they didn't just like you know hammer yeah. that in like it was they set that up yeah do you think nick fury just couldn't choose an eye like he was that picky about it or it's like cause I, I mean like i don't maybe know maybe he just thought it was that's gotta be a tough choice like i always wonder how sammy davis jr did it and so <laughs> um yeah it's a great movie I enjoyed so it. what's the fonz lunchbox made out of that the tesseract doesn't just burn a hole through industrial a, like, war metal <laughs> uh, you just watch captain america it burns through well the that's because uh they were using it though, wasn't the Red Skull using it? I can't remember now. So it's like yeah. I guess because if it heats up, because he had it, it was powering something in the airplane. Yeah, because then otherwise it would have like because it was being held at the time in a tomb. Yeah, that like at the beginning like Odin's, oh, yeah, yeah. Odin's in treasure the tomb. Room. It was held in what was he holding? Is this like a wooden box? I think in the tomb. Yeah, it's just yeah because it's like I think it's just if it's activated or if it's like, sh- like doing something. Yeah, you know. I was like, 
whenever people hold it because i remember peter quill like had to like when Mm -hmm. that stone like it almost errat like everyone else like burned up the tesseract looks like like it's covered up in like that was like the power stone though right i mean isn't the whole point of the power stone is that it's supposed to and only the, certain people can hold it without incinerating. Yeah. And the well, Tesseract so also looks like it's covered by a bunch of like blue crystal shit or whatever, like mm-hmm. a, to make it a box. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Tesseract is space, right? So it's yeah. probably like yes. yeah, the space. Yeah. space. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Ryan. Sure. Why were some of the Kree like human looking, like Jude Law's character, but then others had like green skin? Um, I don't know if that's ever explained. I mean, my guess would be it's because just like. Uh, with Carol, they just take them from places and indoctrinate them into the Cree way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Would be my guess. Humans have different color skin. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't think that's ever been explained. If there is, I. Um, and they're all the same on the inside. <laughs> Blue. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not as big into Marvel cosmic stuff. Like I, I, I like Captain Marvel and a couple like, uh, Silver Surfer and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like Guardians of the Galaxy. The Guardians of the Galaxy I know never had Peter Quill in it. It was really horrible characters from Marvel team up with Spider-Man. So I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe Jude Law and Jaman Hansu just were like, yeah, we're not getting in the green face well, paint. They're like, ah, oh, these guys are too handsome. Let's not do that. Yeah. I was an Alfie. I'm not doing this. <laughs> He's a good actor. I liked how that would be the one he'd pull. <laughs> I was in the Alfie remake. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Really What's next movie? week? I don't know. What is yep. it next week? Something. It's not us. That's no. week after. I guess we didn't get around to how to train your dragon three. Yeah, we no. do that or something. Yeah. Or fighting with my family. I mean, fighting with our family. Which you already reviewed. Yeah, but I could always talk about it more in depth. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we'll figure something out like we always do. Sweet. Corinne, as always, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having Sporting me. Sporting a sweet guys. ass shirt. Yeah. Captain um, Marvel. Woo-hoo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I do want to say one other quick tidbit that I noticed the second time around is um, so Maria, when she goes to visit her, she's like, yeah, you always like woke me up at the butt crack of dawn. And then like at the beginning, that's when she wakes up Jude Law's character is very early in the morning. Oh, so it's yeah. like, even though that's she nice had her memories moment. erased, yeah. she still is the same person. It's awesome. And I honestly like wonder, cause when they do like that whole fight sequence there at the beginning where he's like training her and he's like, you need to control your emotions. I'm like. I wonder if it's because her emotions are tied to her memories. Like, oh, if yeah, she gets sure. really emotional, like, she'll start remembering stuff. So that's why he doesn't. Like, their whole interaction at the very beginning, when you see it the second time, you're like, oh, that's why he says mm-hmm. that. That's why he asks her about, like, oh, did you see anything new in your dream? Like, oh, yeah. you need to control your emotions and you need to, like, well, yeah, cause you can see they're, they're manipulating him, too, because remember, her memory of it is a scroll. Right. Um, a, you know, attacking her and. and Killing Marvel, but mm-hmm. if I had nothing but the Space Invaders game, I for six years I'd have a high score too. <laughs> <laughs> Her kid figure out how to operate that uh, color change device pretty quick. Yeah, maybe it's like a telepathic thing. Or you mean oh, if you look at cares. when she's moving it, you can see the colors light up. Mm-hmm. Or this is a movie, and none of this stuff is actually real. <laughs> <laughs> it is real it in our hearts. It matters but... to me. Okay, that's all that matters. That's true. So yeah, if thank you, Sam. The worst thing I can say about the movie is that sometimes the effects looked weird. Then that's still a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. They looked like a Marvel movie. <laughs> See movies. Yeah, we'll be there. They're good. Sometime next week. Right. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Drafthouse in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.